and welcome to the Nitty Gritty Reviews podcast. I am Rachel. And I'm Tristan. And today is Monday, so that means it's another Marvel Monday. And today we're going to be wrapping up phase one of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and talking about the 2012 epic movie, The Avengers. This is written and directed by Joss Whedon and starring several people. Let's get through it really quick. <laughs> We've got... Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark. We've got Chris Evans as Steve Rogers. We've got Scarlett Johansson as Natasha Romanoff. We've got Jeremy Renner as Clint Barton. We've got Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner. We've got Chris Hemsworth as Thor. And we've got Tom Hiddleston as Loki. There's, of course, the S.H.I.E.L.D. people in there, too, and a few others, but, like, that's enough people already. It's already if there's a lot so of people in this movie. So, all right. So, so right off the bat, before we get into anything, I'm just going to put a disclaimer out there. There is going to be some swearing in this episode because fuck yeah, this movie's awesome. Yeah, Avengers, fuck yeah, like, man. I probably should have waited a little bit longer after the morning before jumping into it. But no, like, fuck yeah. This movie does not wait. It's right there. <laughs> um, so there's going to be some excitement. There's going to be uh, some swearing. So, so now that that poor excuse of a disclaimer is out there, I know we saw this in theaters. Oh, yeah. Um, at least how many times do you remember how many times you saw it in theaters? Once, maybe twice. I'm usually not a more than one time yeah. in the theater guy, but I may have seen this more than once. Because I know you were ridiculously excited. Like, you basically was, started your own cult that only had you. I mean, it was pretty And you tried extreme. to get me into it. I mean, I, I did see it. I saw it in theaters three times. I'm not ashamed of it. And that's not even that many times, I don't feel like. It's a lot, but... There's some Star Wars nerds who have seen Star Wars more times than you've seen this, but I mean, it's it's pretty good. It's That's a respectable as, amount. It's not as many times as I saw Titanic in theaters, so it's below my threshold for obsession. So, you know, it's got that going for it, I guess, or going against it, depending on how you look at it. In right. any case, I saw it in theaters three times. I probably would have seen it more times, um, but it, it was just a matter of... of not having people to see it with, I think. Like, I know I saw it with you once. I know I saw it by myself once um, yeah. because I did a double feature with Cabin in the Woods and Avengers, which were both in theaters at the same so time. So much Joss Whedon. So much Joss Whedon, um, which I will get into. I feel like there is an obligatory footnote to that, uh, which we'll get into after this, though. But yeah, that was a good day. Um, I'm sure I saw it with my parents. And actually, now that I'm saying it, this was probably at least, if I only saw it with you once, this was it. This was the last movie I ever saw midnight showing of, like like at midnight, like at, mid okay. at midnight, stayed up to like three in the morning. Not the seven p.m. the night before. No, like this, they do these days. Yeah, this was before that, um, and before like the, like this was the movie that made me realize like as awesome as that was, I'm too old. I can't do that again. So <laughs> it kind of ended it for me. That's a good one to go out on, though. Right, that's what I figure. So so I definitely saw it. I definitely saw the midnight showing and I definitely saw it with a double feature of Cabin in the Woods. And I know I saw it a third time, um, which I think was sandwiched in between those two. Um, and then I've seen it several times uh, since it's been out on, on DVD too. It's probably, we had mentioned with Thor that that was like one of the most rewatchable movies, which yeah. I still hold to. Oh yeah. But I think I've actually seen this movie more times. Yeah. This is also very rewatchable mm -hmm. uh, for different reasons. But some of the same reasons, but it's definitely one of the most rewatchable movies in the MCU. Absolutely. Possibly ever. It's just... Possibly I, ever, I mean, yeah. Fuck yeah, it's the Avengers. Like, fuck yeah, It's man. just... It is 
fun. It is epic. It hits all the right notes. We'll get into all the details of, of how it does that as we go through the grid. And there are some areas, at least at least for me on my grid, um, it does fall short here and there. You know, don't think this is going to be just a glaring, uh, or not glaring, but a glowing is the word I was looking for. <laughs> this isn't going to be a purely glowing review. I, I do have some qualms here and there. Um, but yeah, this is just a, a great movie, a fun movie, a rewatchable movie, um, and, and one of the strongest in the MCU, I think. Oh, um, yeah. so, so that said, I did when I had mentioned briefly the, uh, the footnote with Joss Whedon, I do that. I know you don't care about this. Um, to, I don't yep. want to speak for you, but we've talked about this several times in the past. Um, I yep. know it doesn't really play into your mindset, but just, I feel like, um, a little bit of, of my mindset is, is important going into this and knowing, um, I don't know, knowing my perspective, I guess, going into this. So I sure. like starting when I was like 16, I was a little late getting on the Buffy bandwagon, but I started watching it like when it was in its last season, I started watching it like in the first season. So I never saw new episodes as it was on, but that's kind of when I got into it and like immediately was like all about Joss Whedon. Yep. Um, and, and I mean, he's a, he's a great storyteller. Like I, I'm not going to go back on that. Like, he's, he, he's a, an amazing filmmaker and an amazing storyteller, but for anybody who doesn't know, there have been some controversies that have come out recently. Nothing, um, you know, it's nothing Weinstein level bad or, you know, whatever. Sure. Um, but I mean, he, it's just come out that he's not the, the feminist that he's proclaimed to be, um, you know, it's a whole, a whole thing. There, there's a lot of stuff online about it. If, if you, anyone listening, if you haven't heard about it and, and you're interested, you know, I, I suggest you do a little research if, if that's something you care about. And for me, it's, it's just one of those things that was just disappointing. And like before that, I was definitely one of those people that was like, Joss Whedon can do no wrong. Not as a human being. I didn't really care as a human, but like as, sure. as a storyteller, it was like, sure. Like he can do no wrong. He is an amazing storyteller. He is my favorite. He is my role model as far as creative projects go. Like I was in it and, and I still recognize that he's a great storyteller. Like I said, I'm not going to pretend like I think he's awful now just because I found out he's an awful person. Like that's, it's disappointing, but he's, he's still good at his work, but I am much more, um, will like it kind of opened my eyes in a lot of ways where I'm like, Oh, he can do wrong. Like I don't have to just blindly be like, no, this is perfect. This is great. I can't find any flaws in it. Um, which is a little bit embarrassing to admit that I, I went in with that mindset because I, I consider myself a pretty open-minded person and I don't usually um, block myself in like that. But but I was definitely um, had blinders on. So anyway, I just thought that was, um, at least for me, that was something that was important to to put out there and just to, to talk about my history as a Joss Whedon fan and, and the, the blow that it was to me as far as, as finding out that he's kind of an awful person. Because if we had done this this review a couple years ago, like I I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, the writing categories would probably be perfect tens down the line. Because like, well, it's Joss Whedon, perfect tens, um, or at least eights, nines, and, and like it would be very high. And and there's some lower scores for me within this, just because I I was I don't know able so, to. So it lost points because it of didn't... his personal life. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying at all. I think it just You're saying it's a more objective evaluation. Yes. Now that you know about... I, well, I just think... Okay. Cause it's more... Like, it's it's a reflection of, of me as a person. This isn't anything to do with him. It's me as a person. I was so obsessed with him as a, as a creative person 
that I just had these blinders of like, he is a perfect storyteller. He can do no wrong. I love everything he does. And I think it kind sure. of, okay. but like I wasn't being critical because I was just like, oh, I, I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Which I still. Starstruck. Exactly. Which was just, just naive of me and, and just not very, sure. that was me not being a very good critic. Um, and he does, I mean, I, I hold to it. He's a good writer as much as I, I kind of hate that. I, I, I hate that he's an awful person and I hate that he's not, you know, this, this feminist icon that I thought he was, uh, like that, that sucks. And that's disappointing, but like, he's a great storyteller. And especially since this movie came out before any of that, like, I'm not gonna be like, oh no, I don't like this movie because he's an awful person. I'm like, I don't know. I, I, I just, it's, it's a great movie. <laughs> like, so Anyway, this is, I didn't mean to talk about this for quite so long, um, but I just felt like for me personally, that was something that I wanted to to get out in the open a little bit and just talk about, um, because it does affect how, not necessarily, uh, like I clarified, it's not that I'm trying to find things I dislike because I found something odd about him that I dislike, it's that I'm allowing myself to see flaws that I previously willfully ignored. Yeah, it was, it was a willful ignorance i guess okay so the, or, or the just veil a, has been lifted exactly and you exactly. are more objective exactly and it's still a fantastic movie i'm not gonna i'm not gonna sit here and say that it's it's a less enjoyable movie because of stuff that happened in his sure. personal life this is a great movie it, it's not a minus points for being joss whedon but it's no longer plus points exactly purely for mm-hmm. being joss whedon exactly okay exactly anyway this is i keep saying this is going avengers fuck yeah (laughs) uh first category plot and genre what are your thoughts on that what are the highs and lows uh well do we want to start with with the highs or the lows because i definitely have um i have a standout for one and and the other (laughs) uh they're all pretty high for me in this category so why don't we start with the lows one thing um, and this is kind of what I was talking about, about being a little bit more critical than I was in the past. I noticed a lot more, not necessarily, I mean, I guess they are potentially plot holes or at least things that weren't explained sufficiently, in my opinion, um, that just kind of bothered me a little bit more, this viewing that maybe um, didn't bother me in the past. And that's that I have kind of a, a paragraph of, of just quite, maybe you can answer some of these and then I'll, maybe I'll raise the score a little bit. Um, but things like, um, how exactly did, like, Loki know how to wield the Tesseract? Like, he just somehow knew how to open the portal and use it, and then later, like, Thor uses it. Like, it's just something they've used all the time. And it seems like that's a really powerful stone that, like, people didn't really know how to wield, and then all of a sudden they're just like, oh yeah, go home. It's cool. We're home. Excellent question. I got a two-part answer. Okay. First of all... It was in Odin's treasure room. They it mentioned was, that. But surely they weren't allowed to play with it. So it's not like it, they just put it there in a box. Oh, you know like, they just I'm put sure... it there in a box. They didn't. Odin would not let anyone use it. Yeah, they weren't like fooling around with it like some kids playing hide and seek or anything. Maybe they were. I don't know. That sounds like something Loki would do. But they looked into it. I'm sure they examined it. I'm sure okay. they understood what it was other than just saying, ah, oh, this is... This is super powerful, and we could do anything we wanted to if we had it. We would have infinite energy. Let's put it in a shoebox in the back of the closet underneath our from suit or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever people keep in their closet. Okay. That's All where right. I went with that. So that's the first part of the two-part answer. Okay. 
Wow, I am prepared. I uh, yeah. What's the second part? I forgot. I was so excited that I knew the first part. Uh, right. Oh no, no, I I do remember what it was. It's because we're they're dealing with the space dudes, right? Loki was talking to the space dudes, the but guy with six know? fingers on each hand. But how do they? Who know? was working for Thanos? Yeah, but we'll get Thanos that knows later. what's going on. He doesn't know. He's never had the stones before. How would he know he how to use them? He knows what they are. He can wield them. That's his whole plan. He knows what's going on. It was his stone. But only he's he, the one who he's gave one of the it. Old, we're gonna, we can't talk about Infinity War. We're all talking he about... He is the one who gave the stone in the form of the scepter to Loki. He knows how to use it. Sure, because he had that one. So he told Loki. Well, then, how okay. To well, use then there's another to, to accomplish his mission. Why would Thanos give an Infinity Stone to someone else? Because it's Thanos. He's dealing on multiple levels. It's plans within plans and wheels within wheels. Seems like kind of a weak answer. Well, I am a weak mortal, and I cannot. Mm. I, I do not. All right. Uh, well, here's... pretend to understand the inner workings of Thanos. Okay. Well, here's another question for you then. Uh, how was Fury able to hold the Tesseract? Gloves. I saw that too. I thought the same thing. He had gloves. And it was very quick. It was very quick and he did like, ooh, ow, so hot. He did do a little Mm. bit of that. It's not like Red Skull where he like stared at it right like in front of his face for like 45 seconds while like being burned alive. Right. Um, It was pretty quick and he put in that special briefcase that like absorb the energy. Okay. Bring it. What's your next softball question? Um, this one plays a little bit more into character, but I put it up in here just because it, it was something that bothered me a little bit. Um, there's the scene where they're on the helicarrier. Stark comes out and is like spouting all this knowledge about whatever. And then I think it's Maria Hill is like, when did you become an expert in such and yeah. such? And he's like, last, last night, night I read all the books. And I'm like... Okay, I know he's a genius. I know he's really, really smart. But, like, seriously? Like, that's too smart. That's too ridiculous. Even if he read an entire textbook, he wouldn't be a, he wouldn't know all that stuff. He didn't read all the books. He read his homework that was assigned to him by S.H.I.E.L.D. It was specifically written then, but to no, catch but, someone up. Uh, but I thought he was. But I night. thought they were like having a discussion of like, how do we do this? And he's like, oh, why don't you do this, this, and this? And then Maria Hill was like, how do you know? He's like, because I'm an expert because I read about it. Yeah, he read the packet that Shield gave him, which was all the information Shield already knew. How could he provide new information in a field it's that Tony he's Stark. But it's a field he doesn't even know. I I hold by that one. Probably a little yeah, more. Yeah, it, it was stretching a little bit, it but it's Tony Stark. That's his superpower is being yeah. the scientist engineer. Okay, well, how about this one? Um, Stark puts that little thing, right? The the virus or whatever that's gonna hack Shield the computers thing or whatever. It is yeah, and it takes like twenty four hours for the Shield <sighs> system to pop up with virus, virus. What kind of security software do they have on freaking S.H.I.E.L.D. when they can have like, oh, how many of these satellites do you have? How many are in the world? We can access any of them. Like, this is the most technologically advanced thing in the world. It's all magic. And they're... It's worse than magic. For me, I'm a software engineer. So that should be... I work in software. It should be an inexcusable plot hole. He should not have been able to hack S.H.I.E.L.D.'s computers that quickly. There's two extremes. One... 99% 99% of any plot that involves computers is total bullshit, or it's all magic. I agree I that's 
stupid bullshit, but I've if gotten had, over it. If it had happened in one of the Iron Man movies, weirdly, I feel like I would have forgiven it a little bit more. But I feel like this movie did a pretty good job, weirdly, for all the weird crap going on, all the aliens and just craziness. It did a pretty decent job of maintaining a sense of realism. But then they throw in things like that here and there that, that just make me okay. be like, what? I, I totally agree with that. But for me, personally, I gave up on that 10 years ago. It's all magic. It's all okay. CNA. As long as it's not that CSI scene where two people are typing on the same keyboard at the same time <laughs> to stop the hackers, I'm okay with it. All right. Well, then what about... So not only do they not know it... I'm getting... I'm getting really nitpicky, but only because you're getting so awesome. impassioned, which is great. I love it. It is awesome. And I still get, I mean, I should say, I still gave the plot structure a five out of 10. It just didn't get any extra points because of these things. Um, so I didn't take anything away. But okay, so another thing. So if you're if you're willing to say the, the virus thing was just magic, okay. Yep, pretty much. So, so they don't notice that. They also don't notice Captain America breaking into their super secret weapons locker at the same exact yep. time. Where is their security? What is this place? Why is nobody paying attention to these things? That bothered me. And then why even ha I mean, I know they- never mind. I was gonna say why would they even have both of those things happen, but it's to show their different personalities, like- Yeah. So I get it. Never mind. That's actually kind of cool. But- but that S.H.I.E.L.D. wouldn't notice either of those things happening is- is absurd. Again, not absurd enough for me to take points away, but it's yeah. enough that I'm like, really? How incompetent are they making this yeah. giant organization with an infinite amount of wealth and resources sure. and people that can't keep track of two people? I mean, six, I guess, if, well, four, because Black Widow and, and Hawkeye are S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. They probably don't need to keep that close a track of them, but they've got yeah, four strangers on the ship and aren't keeping track of them. I don't know, maybe Captain America is a captain, so he... <laughs> He just tells the dude guarding the door, like, you didn't see this. And then does whatever he feels like, or, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, I could maybe see, but then why didn't I, they just... I guess that's a bit of a... If they showed us that, that would be or... cool. If he sees the guard and is just, like, gives him a salute or, you know, yeah. cap, you know, with a nod or something. I mean, who's like... gonna tell on Captain America? But they should have at least showed us that. Like, because yeah, they don't. They, they explicitly show us... Him prying the doors open with his bare hands. Someone didn't let him in. He broke in. It's silly. This one, this probably just falls in with your it's all magic rationale, but you even made a comment about this while we were watching it. And that's Hawkeye's ultra specific arrows. <laughs> he's got, like, he doesn't just have, like, he's got the normal arrows, he's got explosive arrows. Sure. Okay, I'm on board. But then he's got, like, hacking arrows that, like, yeah. go into the computer so, like... I know, it's like... Come on. Like you said, I'm all on board. We've all played RPGs. We know you have arrows, you have fire arrows, you have ice arrows, you have electric arrows, you have bomb arrows, whatever. Yeah. Hacking arrows that, like, fit the exact specifics of what you're doing? So that is really over the top, and that's... I mean, I guess that's his deal. That's, like, his superpower. But that did seem like a bit of a stretch, especially because it was but so even, specific. Like, yeah. it was a hex thing where he hit the exact center. There was a hex. And then yeah. there was a hex on the left and right that was exactly aligned to the right. arrow. Like, if it was less than that, I would be okay. If it was just like a center, like, like coax cable right. or something that he hit, that would be okay. But that was, yeah, I agree. It that was, was 
It was absurd. And I get what you're saying. I'm like, well, that is his superpower. But, like, he's an assassin. He's not a tech guy. He's not a hacker. Why would an assassin need that? Like, well, that doesn't he was even... being controlled. But then why... So, could, so did Loki see... have that super specific arrow? That's worse. Loki said, do what you gotta do. And he's like, oh, yeah, I know what I gotta do. Because I'm privy to all <sighs> this high-tech stuff. Yeah, and I don't even quite know why it was necessary to take it. Like, they already were exploding the ship and stuff. I mean, I guess they just wanted to be thorough, but... That's true. They could have just blown up the other thing. They can... Yeah. Bl- we've seen that they can blow it up. Why did they have to do the... Well, shut it down with the yeah. virus or whatever. Right. Um, That's true. That was so, kind of weird. So that whole thing was a little silly. Um, I think it was just to show how good he is. Sure. Which which is, I which I'll get more into yeah. characters because I, I I have a lot to say about about Clint in this movie um but I'll get more into that with characters but I do agree I think that was probably part of it if not all of it and on the flip side of that this was probably one of my biggest complaints and it's probably the silliest or eh, maybe not the silliest but and this one actually this is something that that bothers me pretty much every time I see it so this doesn't even fall under what I was saying at the, at the start as far as like the veil being lifted like this has always bothered me is so you've got the the great fight scene with or I guess chase scene or whatever where, where the Hulk or you know Bruce turns into the Hulk for the first time he chases Natasha sure. and then like Thor comes in at the last second and saves her and then there's like a ton of fighting for like 10 minutes and then we go back to Natasha like at least 10 minutes if not more <laughs> later and she's just like huddled in a corner and then she's like oh Barton's here oh yeah I can go take care of that and I'm like has she just been sitting there and I get that that was like you faced the Hulk yeah. that's traumatic but they're all facing the Hulk like that's that was a little awkward it was awkward and especially because like hand-to-hand combat and like comma enclosed spaces this is what Black Widow is made for like she is the she's the on the ground, hand to hand, one on one, use cool weapons, like this is her jam. This is what she's good at. I mean, not the Hulk part, but like as far as like cause there were just people there that were like fighting and stuff too. Like like she could have taken right. a lot of people out and saved a lot of people some trouble. Um and instead she was just like huddled. And I'm like, this is your fight. This is what you're this is what you do. Yeah, I uh, so it, it just bothers me. It was me. really weird that I mean they could have they could have fixed that by like cutting to her dodging just some to, flying exactly, shrapnel exactly. and then she like touches her ear to yeah, do like, the like oh what like yeah yeah talking right. talking to the Bluetooth exactly or whatever yeah but it wasn't even that she was like she was literally crouched behind up. a metal container exactly where they left her yeah. like that was exactly where she was when Thor came and took Hulk out. And again, I get that that was traumatic. I could see maybe taking a minute, but not 10 or 15. And that's just, that's assuming the fight was real time. Yeah. If it was, you know, I don't know how long that fight was in, in movie time. It could have been longer. Sure. Like, what was she doing? Um, so that is something that that every time I see it, I'm just like, what, what are you doing? Why are you just sitting there? Like, this is your fight. This is what you're good at. Get up and fight. Go help. Like, what are, what are you doing? Um, so that bothers me, um, which I don't even know if that quite falls under like plot structure. I don't really quite know. A few of these complaints I wasn't quite sure where to put, so I just threw with plot structure. So I was I didn't plan on going through all of these, but you were so keen on Is on this general complaints or general complaints for this category. 
general plot and genre complaints. Okay. So I still don't get, like, this. Ju- I guess this is just more of, like, a more of a trope that irritates me as opposed to, like, a flaw in logic, although it is a flaw in logic as well. But the whole idea of, like, oh, I hit him in the head, now he's not brainwashed anymore by this really powerful Infinity yeah. Stone. Like, what? I just, and that's another one that it bothers me more every time I watch it. And, like, that's one thing that, like, I hear people complain about. I'm like, ah, oh, you're being nitpicky. And then the more I watch it, the more I'm like, yeah, I get it. That doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah. wh- why does, like, what? I just, it would make uh, more sense if it was like, like, oh, it only works for a certain amount of time. And it just kind of, like, in the middle of a fight, he's like, whoa, 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 wait, what is happening? Like, it would just kind of wore off. And then they, like, locked him up in quarantine for, like, however long it was necessary and it's like okay i think you're fine now to get it out of his system right like i feel like that would have been better than just that trope of like i hit him on the head he's fine now cognitive recalibration she calls it (laughs) i thought that was a pretty good line it was clever i mean you gotta hand it to joss he knows his dialogue you know i i totally agree that's just that's just a trope yeah so it's not real life traumatic brain injury logic it's movie logic exactly which always bothers me like anytime you can say like well it's just movie logic and it's like yeah especially for movies like these that like for as fantastical as they are and as outlandish as they can be like they're still pretty rooted in reality like that's what makes marvel movies different than other superhero movies is it's like like i said maybe the dark knight trilogy but it's like you know this is rooted in our world and then here's these elements thrown in and then when you have movie logic quote unquote like that and it's like but this is our world that doesn't happen in our world yeah and 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 that's a thing that they could have very easily fixed because he has like that thermos and those coffee cups or teacups and she, you know, Natasha could have said, oh, here's some tea that Thor said uh, counters the effects of the Tesseract. I'm fine with that. Yeah, that solves thing. it for me. Anything would have been better. Yeah. But but just, like, I hit you really hard in the head. Right, that doesn't... Now you're now you're good? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, so that was something within plot structure that bothered me. This one is pretty nitpicky, but I thought it was weird that they... Um, through, like, shot the missile out at New York City, and it took two and a half minutes to reach its target? Shouldn't those missiles hit pretty quick? Maybe I just don't know how missiles work. Uh, but that seemed like a really long time. I don't remember where it was from. I mean, you could see New York from the plane that shot it. It had to have been pretty close. Yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't even I think know. about that. And that might not be... Someone like I said, I don't, I don't know how missiles work, so that might be perfectly logical. But it just seemed like one of those ticking time bomb moments of like, well, it needs to be, like, needs to be enough time for, right. for Stark to be able to get it through the wormhole. Right. So what's a good amount of time as yeah, opposed yeah, yeah. to like these missiles go fast, uh, but maybe they don't. Like I said, I, I don't know the science of it. It just seemed long to me. Uh, and then my last one, and this, this again is kind of more of a trope and like, I get why they did it, but it's just so convenient that it's like, really? Like, as soon as the portal closes, all the Chitari army just dies. Yeah, I agree. That's just kind of weak. I think. I mean, I get it, but it's... Yeah, I think that no one wants to see a movie where they're just shooting some dudes who are cowering in corners or whatever. It it just, like, we don't want to see that. I don't need to see it. I know we're going to win. I know the good guys win. Like, there's no more badassery that's going to happen. Yeah. Like, no more of those giant worm things are going to fly out of outer space. Right. Like, it's it's all downhill from there. 
don't waste yeah. my time with it. And and that's something that actually comes up a lot in video games, like strategy games and RTS games. Like there's a certain point where it's like, we know who's winning. I don't want to spend 30 minutes chasing down peasants who are escaping from the gold mine so that you can buy a, a dude with a spear or whatever. What games are you playing? A lot of them. A lot of them do that. <laughs> That's a very common thing. Like, okay. we, we know who's winning, we know who's going to win, and we spend the next 30 or 40 minutes just going through the motions. Yeah. So I agree that's a trope, and that's kind of lame, but at the same time, the alternative is, you know, 30 minutes of hunting everyone down. And I, I agree. Don't watch that. Yeah. I, I feel like if they had just, like, thrown in a line of dialogue to be like... Oh, once they lose access to their atmosphere, or I mean, that doesn't really make sense because how much of that atmosphere? The controller, the overmind, something like that. Something, yeah, maybe if they were a hive mind, which maybe they are a hive mind. I think the Chitari are actually, so maybe that would make sense. Um, but so why didn't they say that? Yeah, maybe the comics. I think it. I think that is actually. I could be completely wrong. I'm not clearly very, uh, very up to date or even behind the dates <laughs> as far as um, the comic books go. I have a pretty base understanding. But I feel like that might be a thing I've heard. Um, but they should have just said that. Like, I don't know. And that's that's getting pretty nitpicky because, like you said, who wants to see them just fight an army that can't win? Like, Yeah. Um, so that's, <laughs> that's it for my general complaints, uh, which, which, again, I wasn't going to go through the whole list, but uh, because you were so eager. That was extremely nitpicky, but you had some good points. A and lot of them this were. movie is so so much nines and tens that I understand yeah. being extra nitpicky. Yeah. And like I said, like for that whole long list, nothing lost points. I pretty much consider the default point to be to be five out of ten. And then yeah, if it if it does too. something bad, I, I take points away and if it does something good, I give points. And and this just you know, like, I feel like it did good things, but then this kind of negated it, like all those nitpicky things. Um, so it didn't really lose any points for it. It just didn't gain any points because of it. So I did say for all of those complaints, I will say there are some things that I, I really, really love. Um, and the top thing that I really love is um, just the way the characters are introduced. Because, like, we know all these yeah. characters already, and it does a really good job of just... Like, I mean, just the whole first act is just seamlessly transitioning from one character to another. Exactly. It's, I mean, it is, yeah. that is some beautiful storytelling and, and you get just enough information that it you know, either reminds you who this character is, if you're somehow behind the times and can't remember, or if you somehow hadn't seen the movie. Like, I feel like there's enough there. It's like, okay, that fills people in or, okay, that reminds me. Without being like, okay, we've seen this movie already. We know who these people are. Right. Because I feel like a lot of times, even just with sequels of, of just a, you know, a movie, it's like, yeah, we saw the first one. Come on. Right. And so I thought this just did a really great job of just, like, I feel like people could probably, I could be wrong, but I feel like people could, could start with this movie. Uh, if you have a general idea of who people are, yeah, Which I think who, so. who doesn't at this point? And maybe yeah. when it was new, they didn't. But, but at this point, it's so saturated in our, in our culture. Yeah, um, I, I totally agree. Like all the way up to the credits, every single second, well, I don't know about that, but every single scene at least was 100% excellent. Yeah. And and like you said, they seamlessly went from character to character. Like I I started to take notes, but then I lost like I couldn't even keep up because it was so good. But <laughs> it was like they would introduce Black Widow, 
who would then introduce us to the Hulk. Yeah. And then we went to something else and something else. I don't even remember what it was, but everything yeah. was it was it was seamless and it was just enough to say, here's the character, here's a few jokes. It's good. I also like there was a lot of um a lot of comments made throughout the movie of things like like oh we're not soldiers we're we're sp-. like I think Clint tells tells Natasha at one yeah. point like like you're like what's your deal with all of this like you're a spy not a soldier right. and I forget what was the smash cut at the beginning that introduced Captain America they say something about like we're gonna need soldiers and then smash cut to his introduction right um, things like that where it really sets the mood of like these are and Tony Stark like we're not soldiers Captain America's like. Uh, yeah. Um, and I liked that, I mean, there was just this idea of, like, like, Nick Fury, even though he's a good guy, like, he, like, every stuff, like, every scene he's in, he is manipulating these characters. Yeah. So carefully to form an army to do his bidding. Like, he's a, he's a good guy. So it works out. Great. But I'm like, man, that is, um, and and just the, the use of the word soldier throughout and just the, the idea of shield, um, as it's this organization that like, well, they're they're making these weapons, but it's for a good reason. But is it really? Yeah, because they were doing the exact same thing Hydra did. They were gonna they were gonna weaponize the Tesseract and make weapons. Sure, that was exactly what Hydra did. That's correct for different reasons. I'm not saying Shield is Hydra, but they did the same thing for different reasons. Right. I I totally agree that he's like the mastermind, the puppet master. But that's kind of tropey like that's like Dumbledore sure that's Gandalf that's yeah. Yoda that's Nick Fury sure but I just think it's interesting that it's like oh he's just manipulating them into yep. an army and then you know a few episodes down the line or a few episodes I keep doing that a few <laughs> movies down the line and eh, it might not go so well for him you know and they definitely take some twists and turns but yeah so I I really liked that I think that's that's about all I have to say about um writing plot and genre um but i know i said quite a bit and i feel like you haven't said much yet so uh, i agree with pretty much everything you said and even the yeah. things that i'm not sure i agree with like i agree with your reasoning um. so that's pretty good <laughs> okay uh i gave all the subcategories in this nines and tens wow um i really like the pace there was not a single yeah. scene that was unnecessary there was yeah. not a single scene that was too slow or too sappy or just bullshit. There was no filler. There was no unnecessary montages. I don't think there were any montages. There is an awesome suit up montage that's very quick. Where they're like, let's suit up. Like right after Hawkeye gets hit in the head and then they're like, he's like, do you have a suit? And he's like, yep. All right, suit up. And then you see like, okay. it's a very, I don't even know if you... I guess you could argue it's not a montage because it's very quick, but it's like you see Tony like soldering up his helmet and doing some repairs, and uh, you see Captain America walk in and see his costume. Oh, yeah, yeah, co- yeah. I keep doing that. I keep calling them costumes, and they're uniforms, I know. Well, his is spandex. That's more of a costume. His is pretty costume. <laughs> but, man, you, yeah. see, you see Black Widow put on her. Yeah, I Whatever that she never right, actually uses, that. but. Yeah, but yeah, right. I have a note on that with editing. That is a it's the only montage that I remember and, and that you remember, I think. So and and it was a fuck yeah montage. Like suit up. Fuck yeah. yeah. Like it was that's great. Right. And it was short and sweet. Um but anyway, that's another another category. So pacing, 
10 out of 10. Perfect. Okay. Um, there's the outer goals. I give it a 9 out of 10. I'll, okay. I judged it a little bit different for this movie. I'll explain it, I think, when we get into more of the character stuff. Okay. Um, but the world building and exposition, also a perfect 10 out of 10. Because first of all, it brings together at least a dozen characters. Which yeah. is, like, mind-blowing. Was there any movie at this time... Or even today now, other than MCU movies that have this many characters? Not, not as far this as... many different things? Not as far as a shared universe goes, no. The, I they, mean, this is a new model. It's, it's brand new. Yeah, and they tied together so many things in the past. And then, like, there's, like, alien shit going on. And, like, these superhuman beings. And it's just... It's so much. It's over the top. Yeah. It's a perfect 10 out of 10. So overall, for plot and genre... Yeah. My overall score, 9.4. Outstanding. That's quite a bit higher than mine. Um, Mostly before I give my score, I will say, well, we already talked quite a bit about plot structure and why that only got a 5 out of 10 for me. Um, But with the other categories, I mostly agree with you. Um, The only thing that got a little bit of a lower score is the genre cliches, tropes, and twists. Okay. Only because, um, like, I agree, as far as, like, world building and like taking all these characters and, and putting them together like that's amazing that's that's yeah almost perfect i feel like the chitari, the chitari could have used a little bit more exposition so i didn't give it a perfect 10 because of that but as far as that type of which i guess could be considered part of a genre as well um, but as far as just like the the superhero tropes and and you know a, more of a formula like i feel like this is the first film within the mcu that's like okay they've got a formula down and i don't think people always say Things are formulaic, like it's a bad thing. We talked about this um, quite a bit in the Thor review because that's one of the complaints that that I had read is that people say it's it's too formulaic, which is crazy talk. Um, But even if it was a valid, I mean, it's a valid complaint because someone thinks it and people's thoughts are valid. But I disagree with that complaint, and and I just don't even like. I just I think what people mean to say when they complain about formulas is that it's predictable, right? Because those are not the same. And I don't think no this surprises, movie... No surprises, no twists. Right. And I wouldn't say that that's true of this movie, which is which is why, like, plot structure... Or not plot structure, but why, um, like, world building and things like that got, got higher scores. I don't know, just as far as the genre cliches, tropes, and twists, I just didn't feel like it did as much um, new things as, as some of the other movies. Um, okay. I don't know, and I can't quite put my finger on it in a more precise way because it was like it had it had a much different feel than all the other Marvel movies. It definitely, I mean, having that many people together is definitely awesome. Um, but I just feel like all of those fall more under um, under world building and, and under character, which we'll get into much more in the, obviously in the next category. Yeah, I guess that's I fair. I mean, this movie is uh, a bunch of different good guys who have to get together. And work together to defeat the bad guy. Exactly. And that's pretty formulaic. Exactly. I mean, it was very, I mean, I'm not going to lie, it was very but, formulaic, which is not a bad thing. Yeah. But it was, I mean, even things like, um, you have that great fight scene where it's like Tony Stark and Thor are fighting and then Cap comes in too. Yeah. And it's like the three of them. And it's like, like, 
oh yeah, when when Thor hits him with lightning, he gets a 400% power. And I'm like, oh yeah, when sure. when Thor hits Cap's shield, it does this whole thing. So it's like, okay, you can see how the it's like... The sonic boom thing. Yeah, so it's yeah, like... just like in video games. <laughs> For real though, it's like, okay, they're fighting now, but later they're going to be like, remember that thing? Yeah. So, which they even, I mean, there's stuff like that in, in both of the Iron Man movies, especially the second one when he's working with, with Rhodey, yeah, like we see true. that very similar type of thing. Uh, so it's things like that that like works really well within the movie, but isn't doing anything super new either. Yeah, that's true. So that's, and I still gave it a seven. That still exceeds expectations, but I didn't feel like I could really call it outstanding for my, my standards and my opinions, um, just because I didn't feel like it was doing as much like new things to um, to sure. really like solidify the genre Where I, as like the previous movies that we've seen so far were like, you know, taking this this genre and and making it its own and doing new things and taking the genre to to the next stage of evolution within the superhero movie genre. And whereas, you know, with this movie, it's like, OK, I feel like the superhero genre is pretty well established by now and it's just not taking it to another level, which is probably going to be true of most Marvel movies going forward. That there's definitely a few standouts in yeah. my head that that will do something different. Yeah, once um, they know how to turn ten or a hundred million dollars into five hundred million dollars, they're going to try keep two doing billion. It. Yeah, I, I know that's. <laughs> we'll get to that when we get to extra credit. Okay. But yeah, once they know how to turn one dollar into two dollars, they're going to keep doing that. Right. Until they can't do it anymore. <laughs> I don't blame them. That's exactly what I would do. I mean, I do think. Phase three, they're they're doing much better about letting people be creative and letting people play around with the with the formulas and the genres. Um, phase two is a little rough, um, particularly as far as genre goes, which obviously we're going to get into very shortly after this review. Yep. Um, but yeah. So anyway, so all that said, um, my total score is is pretty significantly lower than yours, which is rare. Usually we're pretty close, uh, but I gave it a seven point six out of ten. Still exceeds expectations, um, but doesn't uh, doesn't go into the outstanding range for me. All right, well, that's going to move us into the uh, writing character section, which I think we're going to be um, much, much closer in opinion on this one. Because I, I certainly was not as harsh on this one as I was on the other. Uh, well, I don't think I was harsh. I was uh, harsher than you, though, I guess. Uh, well, let's start. I have a feeling weaknesses are going to be a little bit hard for this category. So was there anything that stood out as... As, as a weakness within this category for you? Well, I don't know about weakness, but I think that having this kind of ensemble movie that focuses on all the different characters and them all coming together and working together is a little bit different than a movie that's about one character. Sure. You have to judge it a little bit different. So I mentioned that with character outer goals, I interpreted that slightly different, and I said I'd get to it when uh, I talk about uh, the character writing. So for outer goals and inner goals and character development, I didn't view that as individual things. Like, yeah. you know, what's Tony Stark's outer goal and inner need and how does he change over the movie? I viewed that as more of the relationships between the different characters. Yeah, for and sure. And all the similarities and all the differences and, and how they uh, antagonized each other but also worked together yeah and all the all the humor and um just like all the emergent things that emerged okay that was perfect wording 
I'm wording very well right now. <laughs> um, so that's a different interpretation. I think that's fair for this kind of movie. I think that's fair. I definitely, for, for character development, that was very much so my train of thought as well. Like just seeing how the different characters interact and how they point out weaknesses and how they point out right. strengths and how they work together and how you learn more about the characters by the way they interact and and the way they'll approach problems differently. Like, like for sure, with character development, um, I definitely looked at it through that lens. Um, and even, like, the character inner needs, like, they... Well, no, that one... I, I guess I did really look at that one much more individually. Like, they all had the same outer goal. Like, the outer goal is is the Avengers stopping Loki. It's not the, the individual right. people necessarily. I mean, there might be slight different. I mean, Thor's motivation is obviously very different than sure, yeah. Captain America. Like, they have a very different relationship with the Tesseract, you know, like... Yeah, you know, but Cap that's not the focus. That's not what we really even care about. Exactly. That's just kind of a, a nice touch. Um, but I do really like the the inner needs. And that's something that, that Joss Whedon has always been pretty good about addressing usually in most of his yeah. his creative works whether it be tv or movies um is is the inner needs throughout characters um so i really like like you have um you know you have captain america who needs to learn how to how to adapt to the world that he's in now and, and does that mean being a soldier or a superhero or something else like he's got to figure that out and this is the first time we see him out in the world and trying to figure that out and and tony stark he needs to learn that it's not all about him he needs to learn to to put himself on the line just like captain america says where he's like right. you know you're not the kind of like it's all about you you're not gonna make the sacrifice you're not gonna make that play and then of course by the end he does because he has yeah, to learn right. that it's not all about him he um, needs to learn how to play well with others exactly yeah. that's 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 pretty much always his thing yeah. you know but it's it works really well in this movie especially um natasha is is one of the more blatantly spelled out ones where she's like, yeah. I've, I've got red in my ledger. I need to wipe that it out. That was a metaphor. Yeah. Like, I just really like, um, I mean, I just, from the beginning, I've just loved her character. Well, not the beginning and Iron Man 2 is eh. But from, yeah. from the first time I saw Avengers, at least, um, like, I just really like her character and I find her motivations and her backstory that we barely get. Like, I mean, to this day, yeah, that's you get pretty just much... enough to be really interested. Exactly. Um, so I really like that, just that inner need of like, I need to make things right because I've done wrong in the past. Yeah. Like that's just, which is pretty much kind of all of them, but in very different ways. Um, and Thor needs to make amends with his brothers, and like he feels guilty for. And this is maybe me reading too much into it, but I'm pretty sure like he feels guilty for essentially dropping him in the abyss even though it was an accident like he wanted to save his brother right. at the end of thor and he slipped like he couldn't hold on to him anymore and so i think this part of his motivation is like well yes i need to get the tesseract back yes i need to bring him back to asgard but also my brother's alive i thought he was dead i and i need to make things right with him um i think is also part of it so it's like i, I could keep going with every character yeah. um but i just really liked that that even though not every character is you know, discussed as much or um, explored as much. Like, it's still there. And you still get these glimpses. And it's it's enough to drive the plot forward and make it interesting and have these different people with different needs and different motivations yeah. all working together to save the world. Like, it's just... 
and his Joss Whedon character stuff. It's always gonna like <laughs> right. I I can't help but it's always gonna be good. Um, so I I gotta hand it to him. Like he really took these characters and and took them to a new level. Um, yeah, each each individual, but also each pairing because he had yes. Tony Stark yeah. and uh, Bruce Banner. They're both like mad yeah. scientists, which is a quote from a future movie. Uh, but then one is like i'm gonna do whatever i feel like because i have no self-control and i just do whatever and the other one's like i'm gonna bottle everything in right yeah that's like they're they're the same but at the same time they're total opposites right and then you have tony stark and captain america who are both like i'm the hero i'm i'm the good guy i'm the guy who's gonna save the day and then right they're also doing that in completely opposite ways tony stark's like i'm not gonna follow anyone I'm just going to jump in and do it. And then Captain America's like, well, you know, if we do that, people die. So I'm going to wait for orders and I'm going to do it by the book and yeah. play it safe and, you know, sacrifice myself for everyone else and, and all that. And, it, and like every pairing that happens is um, very similar in one way and completely opposite in another way. And that's yeah. really neat that yeah. they did that. Yeah, I thought that it was That they did just... that, that Joss Whedon did that. He, I mean, he had the characters obviously established before so i mean it's not completely him um but yeah for but, sure i mean in yeah. the hands of, of a lesser uh, screenwriter it, it could be a mess like he he knows how to play yeah he, yeah he knows how That's to play characters against mean. each other yeah anyone I mean, who's just... watched firefly or exactly Buffy or angel yeah that's his, that's his deal exactly um, the one thing that i will say about character because i gave very high scores Throughout, and one of the main reasons um, for at least a couple of these categories, particularly character arcs and character development, that they didn't get um, perfect tens. The main reason I really felt like the characters of, well, there's two characters. We'll get into one and then I'll jump into the other because I don't think you'll have feelings one way or the other about one of these characters. Um, but the first one, Hawkeye. Um, we kind of mentioned it for where you were like, well, he had to do this crazy thing because like we need to know how good he is. Right. And I feel like, and I, part of it is that he hadn't, I mean, he was technically introduced in Thor, but it was so, like, it's more of an Easter egg than anything. It's yeah, so he was quick. a guy who held a bow. Yeah, he, he didn't, didn't even, even shoot. He didn't exactly. even do anything. Yeah. So, yeah, we really didn't have any basis for this character, which is part, like, that makes it even more, I don't know if it's upsetting, that's a little melodramatic, but uh, <laughs> disappointing. There we go. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, but they took this character that we hadn't met yet that's like, oh, here's someone we're curious about. What are his skill sets? What can he do? What's his personality like? How's he going to interact with these people? And then they just made him, like, brainwashed for half the movie. And I feel like it almost would have been better if they had had okay. Black Widow, like, just swap on, have Black Widow be the brainwashed I mean, she doesn't have a skill set, I guess. Or, I mean, she does have a skill I feel like she could have done all the same stuff he was doing, just different method. Um, but because we already have, like, there would be more invested in, like, oh, well, we know this character, and she's in trouble. That's not good. I don't no, know. No, if you do that, feminists are going to complain because you have a woman with no agency. But then it's all that more powerful when she gets the agency back. And people are going to complain no matter what. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I don't there's know either. Weird, there's, like, weirdly higher standards for female characters. Yeah, which is a whole other... But there'll be a much more appropriate conversation for some later later Marvel movies, okay. um, particularly Avengers: Age of Ultron. I know um, we both I, we both feel similarly about some things in that movie that is a whole can of worms. But um, yeah. but yeah, I just feel like that whole like have like 
Like, we didn't get to know him at all. And then he's fighting alongside them in the last act. And it's like, it's more cool looking back on it. Because it's like, oh yeah, we've, we've seen him in a few more movies. We know more what he's capable of. And it was cool that, like, the first, you know, before seeing him in other movies, it was still cool. Like, it's still a cool hero shooting a bow and arrow and doing a bunch of kick-ass things. Like, that's still cool, but there's not that, like, like, oh yeah, this is Hawkeye. I like this character. I know what he's capable of. This is going to be awesome. Yeah, okay. Like, I I just feel like he was underutilized and, and that we lost out on a lot of potentially really good character development. By, by having him just brainwash. And I also think, now that I'm thinking about it, because there's a scene, like, when he wakes up and he's like, oh, like, do you know what it's like to be unmade? And she's like, you know I do. Which is, which is a great exchange, by the way. Oh. But, like, think of how traumatic... Like, <laughs> this is probably why I like Joss Whedon so much. I am, like, anytime a character, like, emotionally suffers, I'm, like, a sucker for it. I don't know <laughs> why I'm so drawn to it. Like, I just... I just find it fascinating to see how different people deal with things, I guess. But like, like suffering, I guess. But like, how? Like, it just would have been such an interesting character development to take this character that's already been brainwashed before and gone through this, and then have her have to go through it again and have to come to terms with like, geez, I had read in my ledger before, now I've got more. <laughs> like, come on, like that could have been really interesting, and and it would have meant more because we had seen her in a movie already, even though yeah, you know, she was undercover as a secretary most of the movie and didn't really get to be Black Widow. But still, at least we had some basis for knowing who she is. So I don't know. I just felt the whole Barton being brainwashed for half the movie was just kind of... It didn't bother me at the time, but in retrospect and like knowing the character more, I'm like, man, we could have really like gotten to know this great character. And I feel like we were like cheapened out of that experience um, for really no reason. Like it was just so that Black Widow could save him. Like that's really, okay. the, that's like the only reason he was one of the ones brainwashed. Is so that we can, and if that's a great fight scene, it's one of the best in the movie. Is the the hand to hand between her and Clint? But like, they could have picked just a random Shield agent, and but they picked a main player so that we could have like an emotional attachment kind of thing. But we don't have. I don't know. I guess I don't know. <sighs> anyway, you don't seem to to care one way or the other about that complaint, um, which is fine. Um, so that was one complaint that I had with characters. Is I just felt like there was potential for so much more with him. And then the other complaint I had is is Maria Hill's character. Like, I almost felt like she could have just not even been there. And that is so disappointing because yeah. she is she is an amazing character in the comic books. And she just comes off as a bland sidekick in this movie who barely even has any lines. And like, and even like her performance, like I like Kobe Smolders and I think she's capable of being yeah. really good. But I don't know if it was the writing or the directing, but either way, it's Joss Whedon. But there was something about the character that just she just comes off so flat. Like I think she's maybe trying to be like military straight man, right. like yeah, yeah. like that I kind got that of. Too. Which is where I mean, Maria Hill in the comics is is a stone cold badass. Like she's everybody in Shield hates her because she's such a bitch. Like she is, she is cold and she is like that, I guess. But it just, but she didn't come off as a bitch. She just came off as as a peon following orders. Like she didn't. I don't know. It didn't seem like she had an important role to play. She did not feel like the second in command of S.H.I.E.L.D. to me. And I, and I just feel like... Yeah. And this is mostly like... Because I think the first time I had seen Avengers, I hadn't really read any Iron Man comic books. And then in recent years, I've read some where she plays a very prominent role. And I'm like, holy crap, I had no idea she was such a badass. Like, she is amazing. And then going back and watching 
the movies that she's at, it's like, oh man, like we we need more Maria Hill because she's badass, and and we just don't like like why did they even put her in there? She's just like I don't know, like it's almost more of an Easter egg for people yeah. who have read the a little, a little like nod to to the people who have read the comics, know, yeah. yeah. Um, which I just find. And maybe that's yeah. not even necessarily a flaw within the movie because there's only so much you can do with a character it's, who's in a couple scenes. Yeah. But it's just like uh, as it's somebody, yeah, and as someone who has gone in and read some of the comment, which I'm not trying to say I've been oh, a fan you're one all of those along. people. <laughs> but it's just I don't know. It's just disappointing because she really, after reading some of the comics, I'm like she's might be one of my favorite characters within within the Iron Man universe at least. Like she's just awesome. Um, so yeah, so that's really all I have to say about, about writing characters. And that's the way those two characters are handled are a big reason why my scores aren't higher, although they are still very high overall. Uh, was there anything else you would like to add for the writing characters section? Oh, actually, we haven't even talked about I thought dialogue. The dia- yeah, yeah. <laughs> the dialogue, just perfect. Joss Whedon style. So many things. You got uh, the red in my ledger, which, like, yeah. from a county standpoint, that means you owe someone. But then, like, if you're an assassin, having red in your ledger probably means something else. And we all <laughs> right. know what that means. Yeah. Uh, also, every single word that Loki says. Oh, yeah. His, all of it. Oh, yeah. I particularly like his dialogue when he's talking with Nick Fury. Like, their exchanges. Yeah. Like, anytime they're talking together, I'm just like, I could listen to this all day. They could talk. They could, like, go into a restaurant and order sandwiches, and I would just be like, I, <laughs> I am loving this. Yeah, because Nick Fury, too, he has his own style where he's, like, like really badass and to the point, but he has, like, this weird, like, poetic cavalier, like... Yeah. It's just weird. It's <laughs> so weird, but it works so well. Uh, and then you have that exchange where... Um, Everyone is in that room with Loki's staff before they all suit up. Oh, yeah. And, like, things are getting crazy and things are getting weird. And there's all these exchanges and there's, like, little, yeah. little jabs at each other. And everything is, it's just so well done. Yeah, that, yeah, that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie, I think. Yeah, and there's, like, throughout the movie, there's, like, humor and there's there's quick one-liners. And it's it's just, the dialogue is excellent. I agree. I also liked within the dialogue, this is something that uh, I feel like isn't done nearly often enough, and I've definitely complained about it with other movies um, that don't do this, uh, but it actually has people speaking in other languages and has subtitles. I knew Could, you were going to say something about that. Yeah, because it just, so I mean, we talked about or I talked about it at least in, in Captain America, where we've got Germans hanging out speaking English with thick German accents, and I'm just like, like, who are you speaking English for? What are you doing? bothers me but they didn't do that in this movie yeah so i I just really liked that within the dialogue just the uh not dumbing it down for the audience i i appreciated quite a bit because i feel like that's the that's really like let's face it that's why you have things like people it's it's lazy and it assumes people don't want to read which just seems insulting um maybe it's true but it still seems insulting (laughs) so um, so I really appreciated that within dialogue. I also really kind of thought, I'm just going to leave this as a quick note because I want it on record for when we get to Age of Ultron. Um, but I actually thought there was some decent chemistry between Natasha and, and Bruce. Everybody always goes on and on about how their love story comes out of nowhere, which okay. to be fair, it, it pretty much does. But I can see some, some chemistry there. Like there's just seems to be, like she's kind of scared of him. 
but then like as the movie goes on it kind of becomes more of like a camaraderie like i don't know there's just something there's just something kind of sweet about their relationship um i'm not saying that i that i agree with their relationship i think if she has to be paired off with anybody which i don't know it just seems like anytime there's a female superhero the question is always who's she gonna be paired off with whereas as we've seen every single male superhero as well no because look at what happens with Thor, like in Ragnarok, Jane just, he's like, just like, oh yeah, we broke up and nobody gives a shit. Yes, that is an outlier. No. And that's also six years and from now? And it's not, you're that's, the one who, what, you're the one who keeps 14, asking questions. Or not 14, 11 movies from now? Something like that? 10 movies from now? I don't know. That's far future. I'm just saying, my... Generally speaking, everyone is paired off with someone. No. Which I agree is... Not in ensemble Almost movies. always useless. Not, not in ensemble. Time. In ensemble movies, there's uh, specifically ensemble action movies. There's almost always, and this is maybe not as true in Marvel movies. So maybe this is just a an off-topic rant. But in action movies, there's almost always one female character and like five male characters, and she gets paired off with one where the others don't have any love interests at all. That's not, that's like independent of, of superhero movies. That's independent of the MCU. I mean, that's just, that's just how ensemble action films work. And it bothers me is really that that's the whole point of this rant. It's, it's not specific to the MCU, although in Age of Ultron it is, but that's getting ahead as you keep reminding me. <laughs> anyway. All right, so was that characters? That was characters. Yeah. So what was your total score? Characters, I gave it a total of 8.6 out of 10. Outstanding. I thought for sure you'd have close to a perfect 10. I gave it a 9.1, which is also outstanding. Acting and casting. So this was a really interesting category for this movie because most of the, at least as far as, as casting goes, most of these actors were cast in other movies. So like, how do you rate that? Yeah. Um, so I don't know how you, I know we had mentioned before we started rating it that, that that was a dilemma, but we did not discuss how we each addressed it. Um, so for me personally, I kind of looked at, like I gave um, the casting of main characters kind of a, just an automatic bump for casting it so well in the movies to come before it. Yeah, automatic which, 10 out of 10 for me. Oh, I didn't go that high. I was going to say, I, I would have brought it up to like a 7 out of 10 just for the previous casting it would have been a um, 7 out of 10 if they didn't have Mark Ruffalo. Well, that's what I was about to say. I, I ended up adding some points um, for the new characters that get introduced. We have, for, for the main characters, we have Mark Ruffalo, which is yep. so much better than Ed Norton. And, and he is just really perfect for that casting. Um, and then for secondary characters, same kind of thing. We had seen almost all of these people before. Except for Maria Hill. And, yep. and even though I don't think her performance is the strongest, I think that's largely because of the writing um, and, and probably the directing as well. Because I think that it was pretty much just, you're a military person, play it like a military person. And she wasn't really allowed to have, allowed to have, I don't know. It's just like, it seemed like she wasn't given the chance to have much personality. Um, but as far as the casting choice of her, like I, I, she does look like Maria Hill. Like she's, she seems to have, like I think she has the potential if she's given the opportunity in later movies to really tap into that and, and take that character somewhere we haven't seen yet. Um, so, so 
both for both main characters and secondary characters, I gave um, nine out of ten. I didn't go perfect ten, just because it is kind of riding on the coattails of the movies that came before it. So it seems I don't know. It just seems weird to me to, sure. give, it a, to give it a perfect ten out of ten when it wasn't necessarily anything that this movie was doing that the other movies hadn't, aside from from Mark Ruffalo and uh, Kobe Smulders. Yeah. So that was how I went about that. Um, and then as far as acting goes, I thought the acting was pretty solid. Um, there were a few times when the line deliveries, uh, particularly, again, with, with Kobe Smulders as Maria Hill, which um, just kind of came off as a little flat and, and just didn't seem like the best performance. Um, but the, the face acting was just amazing throughout. Oh, yeah. Well, um, first of all, you got Scarlett Johansson. Oh, my God. So. Her, yeah. Between her and her being directed by Joss Whedon, who tends to somehow, yeah, he just brings out good face acting with whatever his directing style is. He seems to, to focus on that. Um, so yeah, having them paired together works fantastically. And that scene where she's introduced and she's like, you know, she's tied up to the chair and being interrogated. Like just her, her <laughs> no, facial she was the one who yeah. was interrogating him. I mean, for real though, but yeah, that but, yeah was, just that her. Was good. Yeah. That was an excellent introduction. Yeah. Just, in every way possible. Yeah. Just, it was so good. So yeah, so her facial reactions were great. And, and Mark Ruffalo as well, I thought was, I mean, oh, yeah. everybody had great facial expressions, but those two by far were the standouts for me. Um, just fine. I'm, and just, I, I mean, Mark Ruffalo is just a great Bruce Banner. He's like, he has that yeah. awkwardness, but confident, but like yeah. timid. Like he's just, he's just. He's not like the normal, like basement dwelling nerd. Yeah. Like nerdiness can be done so badly. Oh, And he yeah. doesn't do that. Right. But he he just does something. Yeah. I don't even know how to describe it, but there's something in the way, like the way he positions his shoulders and the way oh, he yeah, talks. Oh, yeah, even just his just, posture. Just everything and, yeah. is just exactly what is needed. I agree. And I, I don't think I've ever seen him in anything else. Yeah, I feel like I've so, seen him in a few things here and there, but nothing that I can even remember really off the top of my head. Maybe, maybe he's just playing himself and he just happens to be... I do think that might be a big part of it. Because, like, I've seen him in a few interviews, like, promoting Marvel stuff. And I feel like he's not that much different. Well, that's perfect casting. <laughs> yeah. That's not perfect acting, but it's perfect casting. There you go. Um, did you... What did you think about uh, Agent Coulson having more lines and a more active I, role? I love Agent Coulson. And I... You know what's weird is, like, I remember going into this movie and, like, like really being upset that he died... Um, oh, yeah. Which is, I mean, that's a classic a, a, Joss Whedon. I mean, it is though. But then, like having watched these all, you know, all these all six consecutively, I'm like, he's like, why did we have such an attachment to him? And I really yeah. think it's, I mean, I mean, he gave him a first name first of all. Like once you have that, like, oh, it's Phil. <laughs> like you killed Phil. Like there's something <laughs> about giving him a first name that helps. Damn it, Loki! You killed <laughs> Phil. <laughs> and then. um you know, and have, giving him like personality quirks, like he he collects Captain America baseball or not baseball cards, obviously trading cards, and, yeah, like, and has this like obsession with like his idol, who now he's working with. He's like a fourteen-year-old and a forty-year-old. Exactly, and, and um, that's very enduring and very charming. Yeah, um, so I just I I really loved him in this, and, and I think a lot of it does come with with his performance. Like he just has a very like he's very deadpan, but also has like a very like 
like he just kind of seems like like your best friend's dad or something like he just has like <laughs> like he just has like a, a dad which I, I said the same thing about nick fury and and um iron man 2 which was less true than of colson like like colson <laughs> is just because nick okay. fury is like is like a weird blend where he makes weird like dad jokes but then he's just like totally badass and deadpan Whereas Nick Coulson is Nick Coulson. No, I'm just combining them. <laughs> Phil Coulson, Agent Coulson is is like he's just pure like cheesy dad. Like like he's kind of socially awkward. He's kind of nerdy. He's has a kind of weird sense of humor. Like he's just like he's got he's, all the. He's like, just so excited to be involved. Oh, he is. Yeah, absolutely. And he, he's like trying to contain it, trying to be all professional. But yeah. Yeah, like I said, it's just something enduring and something like adorable about that. Yeah. So yeah, I really yeah, I I like Clark Gregg quite a bit and I yeah, he just blew it out of the blew it out of the park. That's not a thing. He hit it out of the park. Yeah. With this one. There was also a lot of uh, I noticed a lot of close-ups on uh Loki in his face. Yeah. A lot of like him looking his face is down but he's like looking up and got that trickster smile. Yeah. There's a lot of that. Yeah, he really had a... Like, especially after seeing him in so many Marvel movies by now, like, he really was sinister in this movie. Like, like more yeah. so than in Thor and, and more so than we've seen in any other movie since. Like, he, he wasn't just, like, a, a mischievous trickster. He was a villain. Yeah. Uh, and I really like... There's, like, a moment... Um, speaking of face acting, like, there's, there's a moment towards the end where where Thor is telling him, he's like, look at this madness. Look at all this destruction. Is this really what you wanted? Like, let's just go home. Like, come with me. Let's yeah. let's go. And he has this look on his face of like, holy shit, what have I done? And then he's like, he's like it's too late. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. He's made a deal with Thanos. Like, I thought the same thing. Like, that's when he switches. That's where he was like, oh, this is all fun and good. And I'm going to be the king of the world. And then he's mm -hmm. like, ah, I did not think this through. Right. And it's just, like, it's all in his face, and it's such a good... And, and Chris Hemsworth yeah. was great in that scene as well, but just that subtle, like, like, like you can genuinely tell, like, oh, he, like, he did not think this through. Yeah, he, and, he's not evil. He was just... It was, it was a fun I mean... trick. And he would get to be king. That's nice. It's his rightful place, being king. And it's a fun trick. But then he's like, oh, oh uh, no, this is not the fun trick I thought it was going to be. Yeah. yeah, I agree. That was that was a, an amazing scene. Like all of the scenes in this movie, pretty much. It's it's a great movie. So is that it for acting and casting? One thing that I did notice that just kind of makes me laugh is, um, like, why does Steve Rogers not know how to run? He, <laughs> he, he did go back to that... Yeah, he had like like in, in Captain America. There's like he doesn't know how to run when he's got the scrawny body, but then he figures it out as Steve Rogers. But then he goes back in this movie to like not knowing what to do with right. his arms when he runs, and I'm just like, did he forget? Like what happens? It's very quick, and it's I didn't dock points for that. It was just a funny thing I noticed. Yeah, it's <laughs> the only way I can describe it is like running and trying to play the bongos at the same time. Yeah, that's pretty much what it looked like. Or like, Steve, Steve, why am I just trying to call everybody by everybody else's names? Or like Phoebe Buffet running in the park on Friends. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, he's, he's just so free. I guess. I don't know, man. All right. So now I think that is it for acting and casting. Unless there's anything else you wanted to add. Nope. All right. What was your final score? 
So this one was a little different because I combined uh, all the casting for main, secondary, and extras. Uh, and then I just divided by three instead of five because instead of having five subcategories, there's only three. But it came out to okay. 10 out of 10. Oh, so why didn't you just give everything 10 out of 10? That's crazy. <laughs> All right, well, mine came out was a little bit harsher. I came out to an 8.5, which is still outstanding. Yeah. Um, just, yeah, just some phenomenal stuff going on. All right, so that's going to bring us to our next category. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be a nice relief. I, I have literally nothing to say about this category for this movie. Oh, it's going to be cinematography lighting. Yeah. I, I just gave everything. I was going to give everything fives down the line because, like I said, I literally I, I took a lot of notes for this one. I didn't take a single one related to lighting and nothing. It was pretty much one of those like, well, it was exactly what I expected for a big budget Hollywood movie. Um, but five seemed a little bit too harsh because everything did look really nice. It just didn't go above and beyond it anyway. So I went the, the highest I could go without technically exceeding expectations <laughs> by my scale, um, which was all sixes. So... Six out of ten for me for lighting. That's fair. I thought basically the same thing. I thought that the lighting was a little bit uninteresting. Definitely, yeah, it's the least interesting thing about the movie for sure. Everything was very well lit from every yeah. angle all the time, the yep. entire movie. Which I don't tends remember to be... any dark scenes. I don't yeah. remember any harsh lights or harsh shadows. Everything was almost like an overcast day where there's no bright yeah. lights, there's no dark shadows, there's and no like red light or blue light. Everything yeah. is high, just high key even. lighting. It's yeah. Whatever the fancy film major uh, <laughs> terminology <laughs> is. High key lighting is like very like very low contrast, which is always confusing because it's. High means low. But High key is low contrast. Exactly. Okay. And it's usually associated with like sitcoms and reality TV because they just light everything yeah. evenly because it's multi-cam. Sure. It's like where so... you, there's that room, like everything takes place in the living room and there's the back wall exactly. and the left and the right wall. And... Yeah. Yeah. Which I wouldn't quite say it was that bad, um, but nothing particularly It wasn't quite that bad, but like I said, there was, that was it, the entire movie. Yeah. Everything was evenly lit, and then there were a few sections that had, like, small, uh, practical, in-scene spotlights. Yeah. Like Iron Man's suit, when it was, like, resting in its in his closet or whatever that is. Like, <laughs> yeah. that had, like, tiny spotlights on it, and Captain right. America's suit had tiny spotlights on it. Yeah. But there was just nothing. It was very boring. Yeah, I agree. Uh, especially since all the previous movies had like bright lights and dark scenes and like yeah. interesting things and this had nothing. Yeah. So it was actually for me, it was a little subpar. That's fair. And this is by far the lowest category. That that makes sense. I think it might be my uh Yeah, it's luckily by far my lowest category as well. What did your total came come out to? Uh total for lighting was actually four point two. Okay. Which technically meets expectations, but I think it was actually a little lower than that. I mean, it was perfect for the fight scenes. Yeah. It was, it's really great to see everything, especially there's a few sections where, like, the action is in the foreground, and then it, like, moves into the background. 
Yeah. And there's there's a lot of stuff like that. So for those scenes, it's really nice to have everything perfectly and evenly lit. But it just it was very blah. Yeah, I agree. All right. Uh, what, next what category. Did, wait, what huh? did you? What did you give? Oh, I gave like, it six out of nine, six out of ten for everything. Six out of 10, so okay. yeah, six out of ten for the total. Um, so that's gonna bring us to the next category, which I think we're both gonna have quite a bit more to say and quite a bit more positive things to say. Yes. Uh, and that's gonna be cinematography, camera work, and oh my god, have we said fuck yeah recently? Because fuck yeah, the camera work. Oh yeah. It is. I think. I think. The best to date in the MCU, up up through Infinity War, this is the best Ooh. camera work. I could be it wrong. Could there's be. there's some I haven't seen in a really long time, and I keep making statements like that. And then the very next movie we watch, I'm like, ooh, I said this, and I forgot <laughs> about this. So yeah, yeah. you know, maybe there's some really awesome camera work in Iron Man three. I'm forgetting about. I doubt it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just pretty much every aspect of of the camera work was just phenomenal. There were, I mean, there's a few nitpicky things that kept me from giving perfect tens. Um, there's one scene that, that has always kind of bothered me or one, one shot and it's pretty quick. Um, but when Black Widow is talking with Loki and then you get like the obligatory butt shot where it's like practically half the frame is, I mean, that's a, a complete exaggeration, but you're either really good at pretending or you actually <laughs> haven't noticed. It's like, it's basically just a shot that's like, look how great her butt looks. And I've heard other people say this. This isn't just me being weird. Like, I don't know. There's just a shot when she's interrogating Loki where it's just like the obligatory butt shot. And oh, for, I don't know. That's every scene where she's walking away from the camera. Is it? But this is no, the way it's framed. I'll show you. I'll find a still. I'm sure it's very easy to find. <laughs> I'll, I'll point it out. It gets mentioned. I don't know about frequently, but I've heard it mentioned before. Was it like the center of the screen? Was it like zoomed yeah. in? Well, not zoomed in, but like it was definitely the point of focus. And it was weird too, because like she was sitting down for most of that scene. And then for like no reason, all of a sudden she's like stands up, like just so you can get that shot. She turns away to like pretend cry. This was before that. It's just a, it's just a quick shot and it just bothers me. Like not significantly, but it's just one of those like... Oh, that didn't need to be there. Um, but apparently you didn't even notice it. And I don't know. I don't know. People are people are weird about stuff like that. Then I guess I'm weird about stuff like that. I don't know. It just, it's not like something that I would like go on and on about and say it shouldn't be there. And I'm so offended. Like it's not, it's just, it's just noticeable. It's just one of those things where it's like, oh, why was that there? Like I just didn't do anything to tell the story. Because like, like if there was a reason then it would be like, oh, well, yeah, that happened because of this. And it just seemed like there, it was just like, oh, we haven't shown Scarlett Johansson's butt yet. Let's like, was, wait, let's was make it sure just this... where the camera was and she stood in front of it? or I guess. Was it, was, do you think that this was intentional? Like, it, I it, think it it's was... been an hour and a half since we had an ass shot. We got to do that. kind of. We got to have a two second clip of Scarlett yeah. Johansson's behind. Particular, and some of the, because I mean, that's, that scene, that shot, it's a, it's a pretty quick shot, to be fair. It's always bothered me a little bit and i think after seeing justice league and all of the butt shots of yeah. gal gadot which i, I mean and there, gonna... you can tell the difference between between the scenes shot by zach Snyder and the scenes shot by like there's a very clear difference and almost every butt shot of, of gal gadot you could tell but it was joss whedon's and, and it was the same kind of thing where it's like we don't like like there were a few times when it's like 
yeah, sure, they're falling from something and you're going to look up and see them falling. And, and yeah, of course, you're going to get a butt shot. But then it just kept happening. And and so so I think maybe it bothers me a little bit more in retrospect because now it does seem more like more intentional or potentially that it could have been intentional. But it, I don't know. It's a very nitpicky thing. I'm only mentioning it because I didn't give perfect tens to a few categories and it's for nitpicky things like that. And I admit that it's nitpicky uh, and it's a very quick shot and it's not something that happens recurringly like, like in Justice League, you know, it's not a recurring thing, but it just kind of bothered me enough. And it just seemed unnecessary. I'll show you still later. I'm like, I said, I'm sure it's easy to find. I'm sure you just have to type. I don't really want to type that in my computer though, but I'm sure if you just type black widow, Loki, butt, like I'm sure it'll pop right up. Um, again, I, I don't want to actually yeah. search for that, but, um, but yeah, so there were little things like that. Um, and then one thing that, um, I actually didn't like, and I think a lot of people really like this shot in the movie. And for me, it was just a little too, um, too on the nose or too over the top. There, there's the, the great scene where they're all talking and like the scepter is influencing them and it's like the tensions oh, yeah. rising and the camera is doing some really, like, it's so fluid. Like, it's just like a, a steady cam like slowly moving around like it's very fluid camera work which right. i love yeah yeah but then it goes to the shot where it goes like it oh the camera. it's preposterously absurd like it, it goes upside like, like, down like the sun orbit or i almost said the sun orbiting the earth from our perspective <laughs> yeah or you could say the moon orbiting the earth right it's that shot where it's like it's facing everyone, and then, like, it's moving up towards the ceiling, yeah. and then it's moving around, and then it's looking at everyone upside down. Yeah. And, and yeah. it's just so on the nose of, like, their worlds are turning upside down because of the scepter, and it's like, it just seems... I was... agree that that stands out, but I I like that. A lot of people it's do. It's so over the top and so ridiculous, mm. but I think it, I think it works. And it does do a good job of... Of making sure the audience knows, like, yeah, there's some tension, but also the scepter is influencing them. Like, I thought it did a good job of, like, connecting the tension with... The th but I just, it just seemed so on the nose. And yeah, so, like, it was. Like, just the literal symbolism of, like, our worlds are upside down! And it's like, I, I get it. Like, I, I tend to... I think I made a similar... I don't remember which movie. There have been a few other times where there have been really obvious camera movements... To yeah. symbolize, I think it was in um, the first Iron Man where there's like a Dutch angle that like slowly tilts and it's like, I get it. Like his, oh, yeah. his world when, is shifting. When, uh, Tony Stark gets paralyzed yeah. by uh, uh, the dude's ear thing. Yeah. So I think I just That's don't. That's how I describe that scene. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. Um, so I think I just, I think I just inherently don't like, like I love when the camera okay. takes place. Cause like I thought that the camera did a good job of adding to the storytelling before that part within like when the camera's moving around and you get like almost yeah. like a dreamlike feel of like oh this is a little unsettling this is a little yeah. weird but like it's yeah, so right. fluid it was always you almost orbiting don't... people but then yeah, people were orbiting other exactly. people and yeah it and was like you, really weird and because and... it's so fluid you almost don't even notice the camera's That's, moving but then yeah. once you do it's really obvious so like I feel like they're like I like that, but then when it gets so symbolic and so like when it's so literal, I guess more so than symbolic, yeah. where it's like like oh their perspectives are shifting, Dutch angle or their world's upside down, it's literally upside down. Um, I just have an, an inherent dislike of that. I think like I sure, I love sure. when the camera plays a part in story. That's why I mean that's a category in my grid is is how does yeah, camera yeah. work with storytelling. 
which almost always gets like a five or lower because um, it's kind of rare for, for the camera to play a more, a more active part in the, in the storytelling. Um, but then I guess I'm, I don't know, no, I, I trying agree. to have it, my cake and eat it too or whatever. <laughs> I, I agree that that, that idea of, is, is that panning? Is that moving? I don't know what that movement is where the, what you're focusing uh, on, the focus is stationary, but it rotates around that. I don't know what that's called, but anyway, yeah, it's almost like a dolly, but it's way too small to be a dolly. It it's like a a, a not a straight dolly. It's a yeah, curve. like an arc. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, maybe there isn't a name for it. It's the uh, Loki scepter dolly <laughs> movement thing. Uh, yeah, I agree. That is ridiculously over the top and yeah. just just crazy bonkers. <laughs> but they did it, and it works. And this is yeah. like a billion dollar movie and it's loved by millions of people all around the world. That's yeah. crazy. That's my, Myself included, but I still don't like that shot. But I realize I'm in the minority. Yeah. Like that, that's usually a thing people remember and it's like, oh, that one shot was so cool. Um, so I think it's just, like I said, my inherent dislike of, of such literal uses yeah. of the camera to, to tell a story. Um, I just have a natural dislike of it, I think. So that's a camera movement you did not like. Correct. I think there's a camera movement that you did like. There, There's a couple. One very long one. Yeah, there's two in particular that um, actually made the... For all of that complaint that I just had of that one shot, I actually still gave camera movement a perfect 10 out of 10 right. um, because of two shots particularly. I think yeah. anybody who's seen the movie knows what I'm about to say, but there's the very iconic shot of the camera circling the group mm -hmm. of six people. They're about to go fight. It gives me goosebumps every time and no other shot in the, in the MCU has topped it to even Infinity War, which has so many characters. I don't want to no spoilers for Infinity War, yeah. but like it's got so many characters, and to me at least, there was not a moment like that. The fight scene in, at the airport fight scene in Civil War got close. There's, there's some, yeah, there's there's some, some good, good stuff. There's some good scenes coming up. Yeah, this, yeah. But that there's something about, and a lot of it too. Like it's not just the camera movement. Like you've got the the music and the location oh, yeah. and everything you've seen so far. And, and not only characters. that, but, but people are collecting their stuff. I don't know if you exactly. noticed it, but Thor's hammer, he like grabs yeah, his yeah, hammer yeah, yeah. at the same time. Oh yeah, I noticed Captain that. America grabs yeah. his shield. It's like, fuck yeah, we're ready. Yeah. And, fuck uh, yeah! yeah and, and Hulk does his roar. And yeah, yeah it's, it's phenomenal. Um, yeah. Best, best shot in the movie as far as iconography goes, um, but as far as storytelling goes and, and just general funness goes, there's there's another shot, um, also very iconic, and that's the the oneer during the fight oh, scene. Yeah. Yep, like it yep. starts with it starts with um Hulk smashing something and then goes to like Black Widow, right? I don't remember the order, I don't know why I'm trying, but it's, it's the transition from character to character. Exactly. And, and it's smoothly so transitions seamless. And, and it's like moving up and down and around. Oh my goodness. It's all it goes all over New York. Yeah, it's it's it is it is beautiful. And I mean Joss Whedon's the master of wonders, but but I mean that's so much CGI, so many characters, yeah. and, and 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 man, he pulled it up. And again, I don't think there's I, I would argue there, there's not another scene like it in the MCU. There's, there's some really epic things coming. Oh yeah. 
But I don't think anything tops those those two scenes. In, I mean, that yeah. whole final act fight scene is oh, just yeah. just phenomenal. I agree. Um, and man, it's <laughs> it's funny because it's so epic and so awesome. But for some reason, I always think about like how did they film this and what like how the absurdity and the silliness of it because I'm sure this was filmed in a room that was like I don't know fifty feet by fifty feet and a bunch of like people wearing like green suits with like golf balls taped to it and like everything is green and they're on wires and it's like someone points at them as like they jump and then they get pulled up into the air and then they land and like it's the the dumbest thing that anyone has (laughs) ever done but the end result is man so good yeah, and yeah. and this was what six seven years ago. This and the other, so I, yeah, I I agree. I don't think this has been topped. Yeah, it's just phenomenal. Um, so yeah, so camera movement easily. Um, even though I there was that one camera movement that I didn't like, I was like this t- like I could, I would have given it an eleven if it wasn't for that. I mean, not really. <laughs> that, like it was against the grid. I wouldn't, but like. No. You can't break your own rules. Can you? I know, but like, I mean, I technically probably should have given it a nine point five because that one camera movement does stand out, and that technically, if there's a negative, it doesn't. It's not perfect, but man, I mean, the, the it just okay. Like the awesomeness of those two shots negates any any bad. There could have been ten bad shots that I didn't like, and be like, I don't care. Look at these two shots. Look at this. It is amazing. Yeah. And so, so I I don't regret it, even though. Technically, I probably should have given it a little lower. How about, to ease your conscience, you give it a 9.5 and one point of extra credit, which works yeah. out to the same. Nah, I feel okay giving it a perfect 10. Alright, well that's good to hear, because I also gave most of the camera work a perfect 10 out of 10, especially the movement. Um, for me, it was all 9s and 10s, all the subcategories. Uh, The camera movement for exactly the same things you said, except I do like that ridiculously (laughs) over-the-top Loki chaotic scepter argument scene. Yeah. I also have a note about Asgardian angles, which were formerly known as as Dutch angles. Yeah, I noticed that as well. But uh, the only times I noticed Dutch angles were when... When the camera was focused on Thor or focused on Loki. I thought that was a really neat touch because normally uh, each character will have like their own theme, like in Star Wars or something, a musical theme. But it's just really weird. Like characters have their own camera angle. Yeah. That's weird. It's awesome though. It's awesome and it works and I like it. So it, it got points for that. It got noted for that. There were very few, like, zooms and, like, camera rotation. I tried to really pay attention to that. Yeah. There were a few zooms during action, which Joss Whedon is kind of a sucker for after after Firefly. I think when the technology became available. Yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, it looks cool. I get it. But, yeah, there were a few of those in the last act where it would be, like, something crazy CGI happened. And then it zooms in and... Uh, which I like. I, I'm saying it like it's a bad thing for some reason, but I, I really liked it. That can be done very poorly and very distracting. Yeah. It was not, though. Yeah, and it, it was, was only good. a few times. Like, it was just enough to give and it, it like, a little... it was subtle-ish. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was, like, I noticed it, so it wasn't too subtle, I guess. But I was yeah. also looking for it. And there were a few times when I noticed, like, reflections 
were really prominent. Like there was a scene again in the third act. I guess this was well. We'll get to it later when we get to editing. <laughs> Um, some pedestrians are like running away and cowering in the corner and they're like hiding behind a building, looking through the glass. And then in the reflection, you see this badass stuff happening. Mm. I think I know the scene you're talking uh, about. Yeah. That really stood out. And it wasn't yeah. like they accidentally did that. Right. Yeah. And they, that scene lasted like a few seconds. I mean, it wasn't like a five minute scene or whatever, but yeah, like, that was noticeable. That was intentional. I thought sure. that was neat. Because a lot of this stuff, you know, it takes place in New York and like these are, you know, the best that humans have to offer versus like tons of aliens or whatever. And buildings are blowing up and, you know, whatever. It's, it's all it's all crazy shit, but who cares? It's a it's a movie, whatever. And sure. it's very rare that you're like, oh, yeah, like. There's some dude at a desk who's like filing his TPS reports. <laughs> There's yeah. this other guy who's like supposed to be filing his TPS reports, but he's reading Reddit and Facebook. And and then like this alien dude jumps through the window and starts shooting people. He's like, yeah. what the fuck's going on? <laughs> yeah. And And it was really neat to see scenes of that, which, I mean, I started that aside with, uh, uh, reflections reflections and, <laughs> and camera work but yeah i thought that was really neat i agree yeah and, and they took time out to do that and they yeah. didn't they didn't have to right but it definitely added and it made it more of a a, a, a richer environment yeah uh so what was your if you're ready to move on what was your total for for cinematography camera work cinematography and camera work got a 9.6 outstanding I, I had a very similar score. I gave it a 9.8 outstanding. All right, so that's going to bring us to the next category, which is going to be editing and special effects. And I think I, I was actually surprised by how good the special effects were in this movie. I mean, there's definitely times when it's like, oh, yeah, that's obviously CG, but it wasn't that obvious, and particularly for the mm. time, it was definitely top of the a top of industry standards for for 2012. Like I thought the the special effects were were just oh, yeah. really good, and there's even like just little details like um, by the end of the by the end of the movie, like Stark's armor just has all these like little scratches, and so he's just beat up. Oh yeah, I I saw that the whole thing all the time, even yeah. when Loki showed up. Like we both mentioned, well, you mentioned and I begrudgingly agreed that uh, their costumes were like, like plastic. Like if you went to Target oh, well, or Walmart in, in and got Thor. like a Thor. Yeah. What did I say? You said when Loki arrived. Yeah. Well, it yeah. I'm in saying, previous yeah. movies, yeah. like Thor, uh, yeah, it was, it was plastic. Like if you went to Walmart or Target and got like Loki costume, it'd, it'd be like pieces of yeah. plastic. I think you're probably getting a little bit ahead into aesthetics. Yeah, but but I did like. notice that that everything was a little a little lived in. I think that's the term that yeah. we're using in the MCU. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess that is. Never mind. Scratch that. Spoiler <laughs> alert. But yeah, so little things like that within the special effects, I thought were were just great. And then I thought um, both of of Hulk's or I guess Bruce Banner's transitions into the Hulk. 
I thought were just outstanding. Um, just yeah. both like thematically, like just the it played into the plot really, really well. I and mean, of course, you have the right. like he begrudgingly. It's almost like someone turning into a werewolf. Like he's trying to fight it and can't the first time, and then in comparison to the second time, with like that that great yep. moment of like I'm always angry, and then he turns. So I thought that that was just just great special effects there. Um, I mean, pretty much everything was was just fantastic within the special effects yeah and and when i see older movies like the werewolf transition stuff i wonder like did people really think like wow that's so realistic and so awesome (laughs) and did they think that six years later because they don't think that 30 years later are we gonna think that 30 years later i think we will it's pretty good i also think just um just in general joss whedon just seems to know how to how to film an action scene um which obviously that comes like within the within the direction but as far as like the the editing like it's not a million quick edits and there's like it's a good balance of like well you've got all this action and then you get a couple lines of dialogue maybe a joke thrown in maybe some exposition whatever the you know whatever's fitting for uh for the fight scene you're watching like it's just it's just fantastic like i think this is the first um, the first Marvel movie where I was not bored at all during any of the fight scenes. Yep. Even I in, completely agree. Yeah, because even in Thor, which I love, there are some fight scenes where I'm kind of like, eh, it's probably like 30 seconds to a minute too long. I could have gone with a little bit shorter. Um, but not with this movie. Even like like the, the helicarrier fight scene, like that went on for a pretty significant amount of time, but I was never bored. It was great. I agree. I think I have two reasons why that's true. One is that a lot of the early fight scenes before the Avengers really truly assembled, when it was just a bunch of jackasses who were like in a room together, (laughs) um, there was an A story and a B story. So you had Hulk fighting Thor and they're like beating the shit out of each other and like smashing stuff and containers are being thrown around and like the floor is getting crumbled and walls are falling down. But then at the same time, you would cut to Captain America and Iron Man working together or yeah. like learning to work together. And there was another pairing. There was Black Widow and, and Hawkeye. Black Widow and Hawkeye. Which is still one of the best scene, fight scenes Oh yeah, and, in the MC. Like her, her fight scenes yeah. in general. She just has a great fighting style. Yes, and just I like am a sucker for... for Good hand-to-hand combat. Mm-hmm, me too. So there was and, that, yeah. and then they would cut to something else. I don't remember what it was. But I, I did I did notice mm-hmm. several times throughout the movie, before the Avengers truly assembled, yeah. there was an A and a B story where one story was two people fighting and the other was two people working together. Yeah. Learning to work together. Right. So I think cutting back and forth yeah. worked really, really well for that. I agree. Because I also get kind of bored with the fighting stuff. Yeah. Because first of all, it's generally, in my opinion, not that exciting. Yeah, I would agree with that. And also, like, I know who's going to win. Yeah. But they did it They did it really well in this movie. Uh, and I think a lot of that was the editing. I agree. And after the Avengers assembled, the third act, well, I'm, I'm not... I'm still not super sure what where the act breaks are. And I think with this one, are, like New York is the third act. Okay, so the New York <laughs> scene, the third act, 
the entire fight scene. It's a huge fight scene. It's all combat all the time. Yeah. But it was super interesting and super exciting. And I think that's because of all the crazy camera work and yeah, and, and all the interactions, too. Because there was like a, a, a section where uh, Tony Stark like bounced his chest beam off of Captain America's shield to hit yeah, someone. Yeah, that and, was great. <laughs> and there's so much like interaction and so much back and forth and the camera was moving around and like there's just so much going on. Uh, but then there's still like they'd cut away to a couple jokes or, you know, when Captain America was like, and you, Hulk, smash. Yeah. <laughs> like like that, that half second pause was perfect. And yeah, it was a 20 or 30 minute fight scene. But I did not feel bored at all. And I usually do. Like yeah, you. I agree. Yep. Same exact feelings for me. And then again, I know we already talked about this, but but just to reiterate real quick, the suit up montage. Fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. so good. Oh, fuck yeah. So good. Because that could be like a really stereotypical, like even at this point in, in the superhero genre, like how many suit up scenes have we seen? But they managed to make it work. And, right. and it's so epic. And seeing like... Each person with their unique uniforms, not costumes. <laughs> they've got their uniforms, yeah. they've got their weapons, they're all so unique and and but still look like a team. Like right. it's just man, it's good. And it's especially uh outstanding, I guess, <laughs> that that's the one montage, or at least yeah, it's either the only montage in the movie. I'm pretty sure it's the only one. Yeah, okay. So it's the only montage in the movie. And that is the movie. It's the Avengers assembling. Yeah, and it's, it's everyone like, suiting up and working. Quick montage. Yeah, like it's it's quick. Like it might even be like a minute. Like I don't think it's much longer than that. Maybe two. Yeah, but I don't. That's not long. Like it's quick. Yeah, and that's great. I agree. Yeah, it's it's perfect. It's so well done, and yeah. that's exactly the only montage that this movie needs. Yep. And it's a it's it. Like, it, it amps you up. Whereas most montages are just sort of like, we just need to get from point again. A to yeah. point B, and we only got 45 seconds. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So, more agreement on that. <laughs> all right. Anything else for editing and special effects? I think that's about all I have to say for editing. How about you? Um, yeah, I just... Uh, one thing for special effects, I think... There was a brief scene in Captain America where there was like a hole that opens up into outer space. And that was pretty neat. And I, oh, yeah. I think the, I the forgot to mention that. Yeah. Right. When Red Skull's like obsessing over it. He's yeah. like fondling it while his face <laughs> melts off. As well, the bad guys do. Melted off before then. Yeah. As his skull melts off. <laughs> and something like that happens in here. And I, I thought that was a really neat special effect. And really cool. Yeah. And and it kind of goes with this idea of of just opening us up to yes, the Avengers are assembling and you know, Earth is cool and humans are cool and we got this cool stuff going on, but like there's a whole universe out there. Yeah. And shit's crazy. Right. I thought that was a pretty neat special effect and uh not just neat to look at, but also very impactful. I agree. Uh so what was your Score for editing. For editing, I gave it a total of 9.6 out of 10. Wow, I gave it a 9.7 out of 10. 
we tend to be i'm noticing a trend we tend to be off with the writing categories and but pretty similar with some of the technical categories not always i'll have to go back and look that might not be accurate um all right uh, so that's going to bring us to the next category, which is going to be the sound design. Normally, I jump straight into the score and soundtrack, which I do have very strong feelings about. But before I do, um, this is actually a movie where the um, like the, the sound design and sound mix and sound effects and all of that, um, I actually have some pretty strong um, positive feelings about, which normally those kind of things, I'm like, it was fine. Um, right. or, or something I, I really don't like something, you know, something stands out. Sure. Um, but with this one, like one thing we kind of have talked about it a little bit within the solo, you know, origin story movies, but I just love that each character had, cause like what you were saying with like camera angles, like normally it's like a musical sure. thing, but like with this movie, like every character has like a unique sound effect that goes with them. Like, You've the got shield the, and the, the shield, hammer, the hammer, and, the and exactly, and even with like, um, like Natasha has like, although she didn't, I don't think she used them at all, the like electric things. So that I guess that's a bad example, but um, you know, she has that, and then um, you know, Clint has the bow and arrow, which I guess kind of has its own sound. They're, they, they're they like less. zoomed into his uh, his arrow holder. Oh yeah, and then, like the noise and of, of like, taking him out yeah. and stuff, and some of them like, like rotate to whatever yeah, you wanted. And... Yeah, exactly. Um, so I just love that each character has like you know unique sound effect. Like that's such a specific um, and such a well done. Um, aspect and I thought that this movie more than some of the others particularly with Iron Man did a good job of getting the levels right because <laughs> the first particularly the first Iron Man but even in Iron Man 2 like his suit was so loud yeah it bothered me and I felt like it was pretty subtle in this one but enough that it you know it was there which I liked I wasn't bothered by it before but I did Pay attention to it this time. It was pretty <laughs> subtle. So I think was, you got yeah. some WD-40 yeah. or something. Um, so those are my my biggest notes as far as the um, non-musical aspects of this category go. Um, before we delve into music, was there anything you wanted to add within um, those subcategories? Uh, do you have anything that stands out for storytelling? Um, just, the, just the same stuff I already kind of mentioned. Um like how each each character has their okay. own sound effect, I sure. thought worked really well, and the music as well. Um, I thought did a really good job of of contributing to uh, to the mood and to hyping you up, and um, you know getting the right emotions and helping with some of the notes within the storytelling, um, at least as far as like amping up the action and stuff like that. Um, so I thought the music played in fairly well to the storytelling, um, but yeah, nothing super specific to add. Okay. Well, I have a few things for that specific subcategory okay. that stood out. In the third act, when they're fighting in New York and they're kicking ass and everything's awesome, I got this weird feeling like, wait, this this isn't right. Something bad's going to happen. And it took a few seconds, and then I noticed that the music actually changed. And the music changed like before the visuals changed, before the actions changed. Okay. Before anything else changed. So I thought that was really neat. It was it was one of those all is lost songs that started yeah. to play. Okay. And then they're like, let's call in a nuke. Let's just kill everyone. <laughs> yeah. And that was, uh, that really stood out to me because that was very unnerving and very weird. Yeah. Um, oh, but excellent storytelling. 
I agree, yeah. And I also noticed that after uh, the good guys win the war and the bad guys all die and New York is sort of recovering and they have like footage of the the the, the news, uh, yeah. all the anchors and all that. Yeah. Uh, there was like an acoustic guitar yeah. version of the main theme. Yeah. So it was interesting to have the main theme, the Avengers theme, in like a folksy acoustic guitar version. Yeah. I thought that was very interesting. And um, also excellent storytelling. So yeah, I thought that was uh, very interesting and excellent storytelling. I agree. That really stood out to me. Uh, so that kind of, I guess that leads us into the um, score and soundtrack category, which easily I gave a perfect 10 out of 10 to. It's by far uh, the best score within the MCU, except maybe the other Avengers movies that borrow pretty heavily from it, obviously, yeah. at least with the main theme. Sure. Um, and I just really like, um, I still don't know how to pronounce his name, Alan Sil Silveresti, maybe is how you pronounce it. Um, but he did uh, Captain America as well, and he's done a, a, just a ton of other movies. Like, I just I just think he, he just makes beautiful scores. Um, and and this is, is no exception. It's just a fantastic story. I'm not I mean obviously the like the Avengers theme is is amazing, gets you amped up, is, is phenomenal. Right, and um, that that to me is the most iconic oh, easily. theme of the MCU. Yeah, that's why I use it as yeah, the at the beginning far. and end of each of, of the Marvel Monday reviews, because like yep. I probably should pick the theme from each movie, but nobody except for maybe Thor. And maybe I mean I don't know, maybe here and there, but like oh, they at least have because like Captain America, like he has a very I don't know they all have different feels, but nothing is as iconic or as memorable. Like like the Avengers theme, that's the only theme I can like play it in my head and like oh, hear yeah. like when I'm like oh Avengers, yep. Whereas the other ones, I know like I know I love the the Thor theme. I never remember it till I hear it. And then the second I hear it, I'm like, yeah, Thor. Yeah. Awesome. But like, it's instantly forgettable for whatever reason, even though it's all like, I don't know. The MC, like it's, it's not a new uh, problem or a new observation that there's sure. like you know, a music problem. But what I find most fascinating about that issue is that like the music is really good. It's just really forgettable for some reason. Yeah. I'm not, uh, I'm not entirely sure why, but, the, yeah. but, the the Avengers theme is the one theme that I know yeah, off the top of my head. Exactly. Like if I knew how to play like a French horn or whatever <laughs> it is, I could yeah. do it. Yeah, it's it's good stuff. Um, but then even all the other like there's just I mean every time there's music, it's just gets yeah. exactly the right mood, exactly the right like it's just plays the emotions perfectly. It's just a fantastic score. Um, and, and like I said, easily the best in the MCU, um, particularly as far as memorability goes, for sure. So yeah, so for all those reasons, I gave the, that subcategory a 10 out of 10. Speaking of weird segues, the only in-movie song that I recognized or noticed was uh, Tony Stark. And uh, I don't even remember what song it was, but it was probably some Black Sabbath song or something. Because he was wearing a Black Sabbath shirt, which is <laughs> really awesome. Really super Tony Stark. I don't know why, but I guess I care about that when it comes to score and soundtracks. Which is okay. kind of bad, or I don't know, kind of a negative that that's the only actual song 
that I remember. Oh, do movies need actual songs? There weren't any others. That's I mean, that's it. Yeah, well, I think they do, I guess. Apparently, yeah. I think they do. But I do think that's neat that he's the the one guy who had a song that's a real song. Because uh, Iron like Man was... 1 had that as well. But no one else does. He was just playing it. It's not like that was his theme that plays when you first see him or something. He was just playing no, it. It's like shit. when he walks into a room, that's what plays. <laughs> like, no, it's uh, for me, it's like Tony Stark. Yeah, Iron Man. Or, or like some 70s, late 70s heavy rock. Yeah. Classic rock. And then everyone else has some sort of orchestral what's it, what's it. Yeah. One but thing it, I do, now that I'm thinking about it, um, I, I'm still gonna leave it a ten out of ten for the for the score, largely because of of how forgettable the other ones are. So this might not even be a valid thing, but I do all kind of wish that that like each character has had had uh, like a, a a light light motif. I think yeah. is what it's called when it's with music. Um, yeah, like Star cause... Wars. Star Wars does that. Oh amazingly. yeah, I mean John like, Williams. Perfect. Like that's like John yeah. Williams, the king of it. Um, but yes, I'm not as heavy as, as Star Wars. I don't think this is the kind of movie that calls for it to that extent. Um, but just a little something. I, 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 yeah, that's why this didn't get perfect scores all around. Because I think okay. they could have done a little more. Maybe gone a little okay. further with that. See, and I kind of liked like the sound effects like being their distinguishing thing. So it didn't really bother me that much. Yeah, that makes sense. And I do think there was at least one moment where... Like very distinct, like Captain America, like music from, which is probably because it's the same composer that did the first Captain America movie. Yeah. But like there, I don't even remember which scene it was. It might have been in the helicarrier fight scene. But yeah, there's one part where where he is about to fight, and you hear like a little hint of of music that sounded like it came straight out of um, Captain America. So I liked that quite a bit. Um, I just wish they had done it a little bit more with the other characters. But uh, it didn't bother me enough to knock the score down. I'm, I'm, I feel comfortable keeping it a ten out of ten for for that subcategory at least. All right. So, what was your total score for the sound category? For sound, I gave it a nine point one. Outstanding. Wow, it came up to a nine point two for me. Wow. All right. Also outstanding. Uh, so that's gonna bring us to the next category, which is aesthetics. This is what I gave everything um, good scores all around, but I don't have like super strong opinions one thing that i really liked with the um sets and locations was that like particularly with the shield sets i feel like for the first time like we see shield as like a technologically advanced unlimited sure. resources whereas before um it's always been like kind of campy looks a little like 50 sci-fi or something like it always kind of had like a retro look to it and we never we've never seen shield yeah I don't like this i don't see i don't remember seeing shield as anything other than men in black i mean i guess i'm thinking i guess it's not technically shield but like things like in the incredible hulk when it's when we see uh very brief glimpses here and there of his origin of, of getting the gamma radiation okay. which i guess was more the government but i feel like shield was a Part of it, maybe, right. um, but I guess just technology in general. Just before this, had had a very campy, unless it was Stark, but anything other than sure. Stark had like a very campy retro vibe to it, which worked pretty well. I mean, obviously for Captain America, it worked very well. Yeah. But I liked having that like super sleek, 
super clean, super like technologically advanced. Yeah. Um, like I really liked that within the, particularly within the, the like the helicarrier and the, you know, the shield scenes. So I liked that. And, and like as we're introduced to all of the characters and we see like the different kinds of locations that they're found in before they assemble. Um, I thought it was great. And we've got Calcutta for, for sure. Banner and yep. that very, um, you know, just that, very unique feeling location or very authentic feeling um, location, which I'm sure they, I think they might have gone to Calcutta at least to get B footage. I don't know how much of that was actually filmed there. I could be completely wrong on that though, but I feel like I saw Calcutta listed in the name credits maybe for locations. Anyway, um, but yeah, so things like that. And then, you know, you've got the like where the dingy warehouse where we meet Black Widow and like just everybody had like such a okay. unique um introduction stark is you know starts off underwater and then goes up to stark tower so it's just great so so i liked the the sets and locations within that and the uh you know the new york fight scenes felt very authentic like it felt like they were just on the streets of new york you know and obviously they weren't people there's rubble yeah it was it was great policemen there's firefighters yeah um, so yes, yeah, so I just loved, I loved all the, the sets and locations, um, and props too. I mean, everybody, similar with the sound effects, like everybody had their unique weapons of it. Even if it was something like Black Widow that we don't even actually see her use it, it was still cool to see her, to see her suit up and, and put on her whatever tasers or whatever those things are, <laughs> you know, we, so seeing all the, you know, different kinds of weapons they use was pretty cool. But yeah, so I just really liked all the all the sets and locations and, and props, just the those more environmental aesthetics I, I really liked. And and the costumes as well. Like obviously we have all the the superhero uniforms yeah. and such, which which for the most part all came from other movies, but but still and I did think we kind of mentioned it, but the I did think the Asgardian costumes for, for both Thor and Loki were a marked improvement from oh, yeah. from Thor, like just significantly improved there. Yeah, it was it was definitely much better. It was yeah. not pure pristine plastic, right? It was metal and leather and things that are sewn together and have been roughed up. Exactly, it was good. Yeah, I agree. I feel like there was something else with costumes, but now I don't. Oh, but the, like you mentioned before, like Tony Stark with his Black Sabbath t-shirt. Yeah, that um, was a really neat, subtle touch. Yeah, so just things like that. Like, even within their street clothes, like, they really just got these these personalities and these these differences with the characters, like, just dead on. So, so the yeah, that was great. Uh, I don't have too much to note within hair and makeup. I did appreciate, um, with hair, things like, what... Did you notice that Colby Smulders had a ponytail? I did. Well, it was a bun. It wasn't really a ponytail, oh. but it was pulled back. It was pulled back and it got like messed up as things went crazy. But, yeah. I mean, not significantly. It probably should have been a little more messed up, but still like they like mm-hmm. characters were allowed to have some loose hairs and stuff, which I really appreciated. And then we actually see some blood in this movie. Like it's not nearly as significant as it probably should have been, but like Black Widow gets a pretty significant cut on her forehead. Oh, yeah, that's and true. I guess that's me. I guess it was mostly her. Um, because everyone else is like gods and stuff. <laughs> like, pretty much in these PG-13 action movies, you, you're you lucky if you get a nosebleed. Um, so I thought even though it was pretty minor, like, these people got beat up. You know, Tony yeah. Stark has a bunch of scratches on his face by the end, and so does she. Hawkeye looked 
pretty good, I think, by the end. But but even Loki, after he gets beat up by Hulk, like he's got some like yeah. these people get just like just like we were saying with the costumes, they they look worn. They're yeah. you know they've got scratches. It was the same with you know by the end of this fight scene, they look like they've been in a fight. Even an Asgardian <laughs> god looks exactly. like he got the shit beat out of him. Exactly. Um, so I thought that that was just great. That it's like oh these people like they looked. More beat up than they did in Civil War, I think. I haven't seen Civil War in a while, but I feel like they look more tired and more injured. And it's still, they probably could have gone a little farther with it. Like They definitely but, seemed tired and exhausted. Yeah. And like, like, like they just like they saved just the fought. world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I feel like we just don't get enough of in superhero movies. Yeah, like, like the movie totally ends agree. ends the second the fight ends and you don't see the aftermath too much. Right, or everyone gets stands up, dusts themselves off and then, you know Group we, hug and that's it. Yeah. You know, or whatever. Yeah. Um so yeah, so I liked as far as like the hair and makeup goes, I liked that they looked like they had been in a fight. Even if they weren't as significantly beat up as they probably especially Black Widow and Hawkeye, like let's be real. They uh Yeah probably should have like had some broken bones or something like they're only human but yeah so i liked that quite a bit within the within the hair and makeup um oh and i also noticed uh with with thor they did not dye his his mustache and or not mustache but beard and eyebrows which they did in thor it looked like he had straw taped on his face um so i appreciated that they did not um bleach his his facial hair and eyebrows i did not even notice that in either movie yeah i almost i didn't say anything about it in the thor review because it didn't bother me that much and i didn't i don't think i knocked anything down and i don't think i realized how ridiculous it was until i saw this one then i was like oh yeah that's what eyebrows are supposed to look like um because it really looks thick and brittle at the same time and and just like straw like it just looks like straw i guess one of us spends more time looking at chris hemsworth than the other one so I, overall or sorry continue. i was gonna say i just i one thing that i liked that i i don't think i'd ever noticed before is during the fight scene in new york you can actually see a shawarma restaurant in the background which i just thought was <laughs> was great because i had never noticed that especially because i think it was a um I'm pretty sure he ad-libbed that whole thing, so I don't know if that was, like, something that was there on set that they saw, and that's what made him think of it, <laughs> or if they added it in CGI, like, after the fact. But either way, it was a great touch. I didn't notice that, but I did notice there was a uh, poster for The Lion King, the play. Yeah, well, it's always on Broadway. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I guess that's classic New York. Yeah. It's like seeing a taxi. yeah. Uh, so what was your total for aesthetics? My total for aesthetics was 9.2. Okay. So my total came out to an 8.4. Outstanding. Um, so that's going to bring us to, uh, your, your favorite category. And we've got impact on film. Did you end up, did you just do the, the same as me on this one or did you? Uh, yeah, I took your score, rounded it to the nearest whole number. Okay. Um, so for, for my, so it's, it's divided up into critical impact, audience, cult impact, and historical inspirational impact. Um, so I'll just go through these real quick. I, I gave them whole numbers, so I'm assuming um, that yours are just the same as mine. Um, but correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> um, so for critical impact, um, for this one I just looked at Metacritic and, and rounded. Um, so I don't remember if I rounded up or down. I, I don't actually remember what, I think it might have been a 69. 
Um, so I rounded up to a seven for critical impact. Um, audience cult impact took a couple different scores from various aggregate sites, averaged them together to come up with my own aggregate, I guess. Um, and that came out to a nine out of 10 for audience cult impact. Uh, and then historical inspirational impact. This one um, is much more subjective, which is why I don't know why you just copied me on this one. The other two I get. Um, but for historical inspirational impact, I gave it a seven out of 10. Um, and that was largely because of um, things like being the first movie to, to take all these other movies and create this ensemble cast, like that, yeah. that whole shared universe concept. Um, it's the end of phase one. Um, I feel like there were other things that went into this and I, I, I'll admit I'm getting sleepy and not quite remembering everything, but just the, just the various things that it did as far as how to make a franchise and how to conclude a phase at least. I mean, obviously it keeps going. I mean, they could have ended the MCU with this and been like, that's a six episode arc. That's great. Um, but of course they were making a ton of money and I'm glad they kept going because yeah. there, there's so many more stories to tell. Trying um, to turn those millions into billions. I mean, literally Infinity War is probably going to hit two billion soon. Um, just keeps on going. But um, yeah, so it's just... Um, you know, for those reasons, it, it got pretty high. Uh, I feel like I could have gone a little bit higher, and I don't remember why I stopped at a 7, but I'm going to trust my pre-midnight judgment and not change it too much. Because <laughs> um, like I said, I am getting a little bit sleepy and uh, just don't quite remember all the reasons why I gave it a 7 out of 10 for historical inspirational. Um, but regardless, those three scores um, are going to average out to a 7.67, which exceeds expectations. That's exactly what I got. What a, what a shock. Yeah. All right, so then that's going to bring us to overall enjoyment, which I'm willing to bet we both gave the same score to. I gave it a perfect 10. Me too. This is, even having seen it so many times, like, honestly, I feel like if it wasn't past midnight, I could easily go back downstairs, put it back on, and watch it again, like, same day. Like, yeah. I, I could watch it twice in a day. Uh, like, it's just, it's just fun. And it's, it's, like, is it a perfect movie? No. Is it one of the most, if not the most mo fun movie yeah. I've ever seen? Yes. Like, hell yes. Like, I, I... This is a perfectly enjoyable movie. Exactly. Like, it, it is fun. It's... It's great to see these characters. It's doing things up until this point no other movie had done. And even now that we have almost the end of the third phase, or I guess maybe the end of, I don't remember where the phases end. It seems like this should be the end. You know, it's just, it's just a fun movie yep. and, and infinitely enjoyable. You can watch it so many times. And, yep. you know, yeah, there's a few little nitpicky things here and there that I'll complain about. But like, yeah, especially once you get to that final fight scene, like the whole last act is just purely fun like i wasn't even taking notes because yeah. i was like i don't want to look away from the screen in case i miss something awesome because i know what's coming up and i don't want to miss it like with the wanner i was right. like i know it's coming up so i'm not going to take notes until after the wanner because i don't want to miss a single second it's like i don't even want to blink during that one that, that shocks like it's it's so much fun um yeah and it's yeah. it's crazy because that's what 20 30 minutes long and it's a fight scene and yeah. we both love it. Yeah, it's crazy, but it works. And yeah, it's, and it's I, so I much don't know fun. any other movie that is even close to that. Yeah. And this is, yeah, I give it a perfect 10 out of 10 because it is so enjoyable. Yeah. It's just fun. 
I agree. I, I really like Thor because of like the uh the, the focus on, you know, making yourself worthy and I like a, a couple of the future movies because of like the moral of the story or, or whatever. Yeah. And this doesn't have that much of it, but it's it that's not what it's about. It's about the Avengers assembling and working things out and kicking ass and this is one of the very, very, very few movies where I watch it, and at the end I think, fuck yeah! Right? Like, yeah. I just get amped up, which doesn't happen with very many movies. That is Even, true. like, superhero movies. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's a pretty good movie. But this yeah. one, it's like, fuck yeah. It's just, yeah. it's just so enjoyable. It's, yeah, I agree. I also gave it a perfect 10 out of 10. And it's yeah. so well made and so well done. Yeah. Yeah, perfect 10 out of 10. I don't know how else to say it. I don't think I, don't I need think, to. Yeah, I was just about to say, I don't think you need to. All right, so that was an easy category. Um, did you give uh, Did you give this movie any extra credit? Four. All right. How about you? I only gave it one, which I, I chose not to have because I think it's a particularly impressive thing and I felt okay giving it a full point instead of wow. a half point. That's, that's so outrageous i think i, I know. need to hear that first um i gave it a a full point of extra credit just for the the end i guess the end credit scenes like first of all it, it's this is the first movie to establish the the format that almost every other marvel movie follows of like got the super serious mid credit scene and then you sure. have a silly after credit scene um and they're both great but like holy crap that mid credit scene like they introduced Thanos six years before Infinity War. Yeah. That is incredible. Like, holy, holy shit. That's just... I, prob- I I honestly considered giving it two full points of extra credit for that. Wow. Because it's... I mean, that it blows my mind. And I remember all three times I saw it in theaters, like, everybody, like, all the the comic book fans being like, holy shit, that was Thanos. Holy crap, they're doing Thanos? Oh my god. Like, it was, like, the ripples. And I'm just like, who? And I didn't care at the time. Like, it took me, like, I kind of looked on Wikipedia or, you know, whatever wiki is out there and was kind of like, okay, he's a villain. And then as Infinity War got closer and as I learned, like, as I figured out what the Infinity Stones were. Yeah, it was such a slow build-up. Yeah. Although, yeah, like you just said, it was a straight-up front. Yeah. Up. Here's what we're going to do years and years and years from now. Right. Ten movies from now. Yeah. Whatever. More than ten movies from now. Twelve movies from yeah. then. This was wow. six. Infinity War is 19. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah, just the, the foresight and the, and, and that they pulled it off. Yeah. Like, like, in all honesty, they shouldn't have been able to pull it off. Like, people should have gone, like, that's. Everybody always likes to say that, like, oh, everybody has such short attention spans these days. I'm like, are you looking at this franchise? Do you think someone with a short attention span is going to wait 10 years from beginning to end? Yeah, and it's not that's... even the end. Like, like really? We have short attention spans? Look at all these TV shows that last, like, 10 years or more. Like, yeah. short attention spans? Really? Simpsons not... going on 30 years. Yeah. And not to mention that just the length of movies, I, I don't even know how long this movie was. Like, honestly, I felt like it could have gone on for another hour and I would have been happy. That's true. I don't know how long this movie was because it yeah. felt It felt short, if yeah. anything. I mean, not in a bad way. It just felt like, oh, I was having so much fun. I wanted it yeah, to keep going. Exactly. It's, it's like when you're a little kid and you have to, you know, your mom tells you it's time to go home. It's like, oh, 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I could have kept playing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, I gave it one full point of extra wow. credit for, for Thanos. Pre- is... Pretty much just for Thanos. I mean, the shawarma scene's great, too. And setting up the, the mid-credit versus the end-credit yeah. dynamic was good, too. But most of that, probably, like, three-fourths of that point is, is just okay. for Thanos. Even though that was something that I really didn't care about until, like, maybe the last, like, five movies leading up to Infinity War. And it's kind of like... Okay, now I get it. These Infinity Stones are important. Okay. Like, it took me forever to pay attention to them because I just didn't care that much. And then once I did care, it was all I cared about. I'm like, oh, crap, this is awesome. Yeah. And it's really neat seeing everyone's online theories of, like, which stones are they and where are they and what's going on and how's this (laughs) going to play out? Yeah. Yeah, it really really sparked something new and and everyone was in on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's a... That's a good use of a full point. Thank you. Which is very, uh, <laughs> not something you would normally do. So yeah, I give it four points. And yeah, for a lot of the, the, the reasons you did. First of <laughs> all, it worked. Yeah. This, this is a crazy idea. You're taking yeah. all these different characters from all these different movies. Each one has like a different style. And you're bringing yeah. them all together. And you're 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 fighting the bad guy, and you're introducing a bad guy who's who's like this cosmic bad guy. It's yeah. not even like a dude who's crazy, or yeah. who like didn't get enough hugs from his mom or whatever <laughs> bullshit bad guys you have in most movies. This is or someone who's trying to like buy up all the land to <laughs> some some crazy shenanigans. Yeah, like this is some fucking over the top cosmic shit. And you're bringing everything together, and it worked. Yeah, that's that's astonishing. I agree. And it worked, and it's so much fun and so enjoyable. That gets a full point right there. This is also the most blockbuster of blockbuster movies I think I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Full point for that. All right. Don't think I need to explain it. I was gonna give this. I was gonna give an extra point to casting. Even though I okay. don't think this is technically casting, but I already gave it a 10 out of 10. But it's Joss Whedon. I think most of what makes this movie good is Joss Whedon. Yeah, I would agree with that. I have my issues with him, but sure. he's, he's a good storyteller and a good filmmaker. So uh, I'm basically double dipping in every category, but <laughs> plus one for Joss Whedon. And plus one because I think this was the first billion dollar movie of MCU. And one of, I think it was one of the first billion dollar movies probably, ever. ever. Probably. I mean, there might have been. I think this was like. When was Force Awakens? It was after this, right? That was oh, just yeah, a couple years after. ago, right? But I think, yeah, this is like groundbreaking. So not yeah. only did they somehow manage to do this, but they did it so well. Yeah. And it, I, I, yeah, I don't even know what words to say. <laughs> But four points extra credit. All right. Well, I think uh, Avatar and Titanic both made, like, I think over $2 billion. Yeah. So there were a few others. But yeah, it, it was record-breaking. Yeah. All right. Uh, so with all of that said, what was your total score for the Avengers? My total score for Avengers was 91.5. Outstanding. Which, yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. (laughs) All right. Uh, I gave it an 86.87. Slightly less outstanding than you, 
Um, but still, still outstanding for sure. All right. So then one more thing just to, to kind of wrap up phase one. I did want to ask, and I, I'm sure I know the answer, but we know both of our favorite movie is Thor. But now that phase one is over, are there any characters that you like? Not movies, but like, like who's your favorite Avenger or favorite character in the Avengers, if you have one? And why, I guess, is, is an important follow-up. Well, that's a that's a really good question. And it's very different from favorite movie. Because I love Thor. That's a great movie. But that dude is a meathead. And I, that's I, what he's good at. And that's fine. Yeah. And I would I would probably say Loki over Thor as far as favorite character. Oh, yeah. Although neither of them are, are what my answer is going to be. So I was going <laughs> to say my favorite character is probably tied between Tony Stark, not Iron Man, Tony Stark and Loki. Okay. All right. Why? Uh, first of all, they're just interesting characters. Yeah. And I think they're also very fun and they're kind of multidimensional. There's more to them than just, I'm the perfect soldier or yeah. I smash things with hammers or I smash <laughs> things with my fists. Yeah. It's, I don't know. There's something there. There's something interesting. Um, probably Tony Stark more than Loki, if I were to really think about it, because Tony Stark is, he's an engineer. He's a scientist. Yeah. He's a thinker. He's a doer. He's a maker. Sure. You know, the, the fancy suit is, in his words, a prosthetic. Yeah. Right? That's not what actually makes him a superhero. Right. It's his mind. So I, I guess I'd say Tony Stark. Right. I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't that for some reason. Hmm. But but that makes perfect sense. And and I agree. He's like, I mean, I think... Well, my next question is going to be is going to be least favorite character, which I'm pretty sure we're going to both have the same response. Um, but aside from that character, I think everybody's really interesting and, and I mean, this is a great ensemble. Um, but my favorite I think is, is Black Widow. Uh, sure. like there's okay. just, I mean, I, I'm a sucker for, for kick-ass women yeah. in film. Like I'm just, I'm just a sucker for it. I find it really empowering and just really like, yeah, yeah. like it's just, it's just awesome to see. Um, so that's a big part of it. But even aside from that, like she's just an... I just find something very intriguing about like, okay, here's all the, and people, I should say too, like people tend to dismiss both her and Hawkeye for the same reason. Whereas I think it makes them much more interesting characters. So a lot of people are like, it's a dude who shoots arrows and she like shoots guns or whatever. Like, what are they doing here? And it's like, exactly. Don't you find that interesting that like right. they're willing to be like, I have so much more to lose than these guys because they're probably not going to get killed, but I get shot in just the right place and that's it for me. Like, right. You know, and but they're still willing to go out and, and use whatever skills they have to fight the good fight and do what they can. And, you know, and especially the whole, like, you know, I've got red in my ledger, like that whole thing. I just find very intriguing. Yeah. And we never get, I mean, we have the few things that Loki says to her to, right. you know, remind her or whatever of her past. And it's like, and he doesn't even say, he's like, what about the orphanage? And it's like, what about the orphanage? I, I want to, like, what did she do? Yeah, I want yeah, to know. Yeah. And I think a lot of too, that goes back to, like, I, I'm just fascinated by people who have unfortunate lives. Like, I mean, not in real <laughs> life, but in fiction. Like, it's like, yeah. like, I, what did she do? And what, like, I, I want to know, like, all these awful things she did and, and why she wants to find redemption and the ways she's going to go about finding it. I just find it really, um, just really intriguing. And I guess the same could, I mean, Tony Stark is just a dude too, but he's got the suit. 
you know? Yeah, and yeah he's, he's, his life's not going to turn to shit. <laughs> Probably not. So yeah, so I just think that, that Natasha is just a really interesting character. Yeah, and just, I, I do like yeah. that they're both just people. That's one of the things that uh, in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I really like Xander because yeah. he's just a dude. Although he didn't really do much. I like his character too. I know, he, like, didn't do, he didn't do anything. But Black Widow does a lot of stuff. I know, so it's like even... <laughs> yeah, well anyways, my point is he's just a dude and there's there's one episode in one of the later seasons where he like sees his future. Oh, yeah. And he's like like a drunk like garbage man or something. Like just some like blue collar loser and... Like, I don't remember the details, but it's like, yeah, that's that's your destiny, dude. Sorry, man. You don't, <laughs> you don't have the magic powers. You're not the slayer. You're not the guardian or the, the watcher. Not the guardian, the watcher. Yeah. Like, you're just a dude who's going to live a shitty life surrounded Aww. by awesome people. Sorry, man. So I, I also like characters who are kind of like that, who are, who are like... Like, I just got sucked into this because I'm kind of good at shooting things with arrows or I'm kind yeah. of good at lying and kicking. <laughs> yeah. And it is really neat that she has, like, this mysterious backstory that we never really know. Yeah. Very intriguing. Yeah, I agree. Um, so the last question, I think this is going to be a much shorter answer because I'm sure we, it's the same for both of us. I could be wrong, though. Uh, least favorite Marvel. Or not Marvel character, but but so far with Phase 1, least favorite I didn't think you'd have to think about it. Uh, Steve Rogers. Yeah, me too. Just he's so bland. Because even like, like the Incredible Hulk is a bland movie, but his character is great. I have no no issues with it. I mean, in the Incredible Hulk, I had issues, but in you know with Mark Ruffalo and, and yeah, Bruce Banner I, in you know later movies, he's great. He's fantastic. I, I think you could take Bruce Banner and instead of turning to, into the Hulk, he just like passes out and falls down. <laughs> I, I I would still rank Bruce Banner over Steve Rogers. Yeah. Because the Hulk, I don't care about the Hulk. I, I see them as two separate characters, just like I see Tony Stark and Iron Man as two separate characters. That's true. I guess if you look at it that way, then probably the Hulk might be... I might dislike yeah. the Hulk more than Steve Rogers. But not because even he has like personality. I just feel like Eventually he does. In this movie, not show. in the first it movie. Starts, but yeah, well, yeah, one. not in the first one, but he starts to in this one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Steve Rogers is just... He's just so one note and so bland. But he's a fan favorite. People love him. Like I said in, in when we reviewed Captain Rogers... When we reviewed Captain Rogers, good grief, I got to go to bed. <laughs> when we reviewed Captain America, um, like... That was the only character out of, what, 70 plus in Infinity War that got applause in the theater we were in. So yeah, there's something to be said there, but I wasn't that excited to see him in Infinity War. The fight scene was pretty cool. I mean, no no spoilers, but uh, I wasn't that excited. Um, So yeah, I agree. I thought we would agree, but I thought I'd ask just in case. Um, So I think, man, I might have to split this episode up into two because this was pretty, uh, pretty long. I think this episode, or this movie, this episode, see what you got me doing? It's easy to do. Yeah. This movie, this movie deserves a two-part. I mean, it's pretty epic, and I mean, it's the end it of is. a phase, and uh, yeah, there's a lot to talk about. On that note, is there anything you'd like to add before we wrap up? Uh, yeah. There's a scene where Captain America, which I'm not super fond of, 
talks to uh, Agent Coulson, and he says something like, well, isn't that a little old-fashioned? And Coulson says, people might just need a little old-fashioned right now. Which, that was neat. That yeah. was nice. It was a nice little touch. I did like that scene, yeah. Coulson was just right in with everyone he interacted with. Particularly Steve Rogers, though. His whole, like, fanboy obsession was a nice touch. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just, I agree. Just, just after dumping on <laughs> uh, Steve Rogers so he much. Still, he still has a few moments here and there. Yeah, just, that, that, was, a, that was a nice little, little moment. I like that. I agree, yeah. Why well, anything else? Nope. <laughs> All right. All right, so that's going to wrap up our discussion of the Avengers. So we are going to be taking a two-week break from the Marvel Mondays, but we will be back on June 25th to talk about Iron Man 3 and start up our, our discussions for Phase 2. In the meantime, you can keep an eye out for non-Marvel reviews, on uh, the next one of which is going to be on Friday, June 8th, where I talk about Jurassic Park, with my friends Sammy and Brian. I am super excited about that one. It's one of my favorite movies. It's turning 25 this year. I think we're gonna have a lot of things to say about it. I am super excited about that one. Um, so I, I hope you tune in and listen to that. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, and then and then we'll see you in a couple of weeks for, for more Marvel Mondays. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about the grid rating system that we use, be sure to check out the Gritty Films website over at grittyfilms.com slash the grid. It's going to be Gritty Films spelled G-R-I-D-D-Y films.com. Um, you can also check out our Patreon site if you're interested in learning how to support Gritty Films, and that's going to be over at patreon.com slash gritty films. And, uh, and if you want to leave a review for the Nitty Gritty Reviews podcast, that would be much appreciated you can do that on itunes would be the preferred platform um so yeah that is gonna be it thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time